Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the film stage. As always, I'm Dan Mecca, and here we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today we're going to talk about one of the more most interesting actors of his generation. We'll get into it. A guy who looked like a movie star, looked like a movie star and in every facet of his career seemed to be making decisions to diametrically oppose the movie starness of himself, if that makes sense. This is Val Kilmer is our subject. Mm. And as always, I have Connor with me. Connor, how are you doing? Today, I, I am doing I'm doing great, Dan. I this was a super fun one because I feel like I maybe more than I thought. I have a lot of nostalgia for a bunch of Val Kilmer movies. Yes, so I pre- agree with prepping this. Yeah. for this, even like rewatching some of the hits, I was like, "Oh man, I fucking love all sneak these attack. movies." Yeah, yeah, sneak uh, attack. So, and our and our our better third uh, today, as we record, is the legendary. I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say legendary Katie Walsh. What you know her? <laughs> you know her? You love her? Film critic for Tribune News Service and. Most importantly, co-host of Miami Nice with our good, dear friend, Blake Howard. Katie, what an honor. How are oh you doing? Oh my gosh, Come I'm on. chuffed. As Come Blake on. would say, I'm chuffed, chuffed by that chuffed. introduction. <laughs> good word, chuffed. Doesn't get enough play. I feel play. like we need to, like, it. it there's certain Bring British Aussie yeah. slang things that do not have an American equivalent right. that no. I think, like, we need to use them. Chuffed like, smacked, Chuffed. It's I, it's funny that you were just saying this. I listened. So Blake, obviously, we know Blake. Blake has his one heat, you know, minute productions and whatnot. Miami Nice is on the the same podcast feed as, you know, uh, other stuff he does. And I've been lucky enough. Me and Connor have been lucky enough to be on uh, different different uh, variations. And I'll say I listened to most of the episodes. Like, and I was listening to, you know, what is the Blues Brothers, right? Which him and his buddy, they talk about new blu-ray releases it's kind of i feel like it's australian releases but you can kind of listen to it or whatever and i literally this morning was listening to one of them and i had this exact thought where like one of them maybe it was like they like had a very like colloquial you know description of something and i was like you know god damn it like <laughs> they everything that's how australian, they're so disarming that's how they're so you know, disarming dan it's british it, it's english a <laughs> It's a very, uh, it feels better than what we have. I just, yeah. I'm just going to say it. It feels better. I don't know I how know. to describe it, but it's yeah, right. so you're I, right about I'm, it. Yeah. I'm just going to adopt some of those Britishisms. It's a good idea. <laughs> up, the, yeah. up the chuffage for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Val Kilmer. Now, okay, so Katie, we, we've been DMing. Val Kilmer felt right. Obviously, he, you know, quick context. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know some of this. So Val Kilmer, obviously... Um, he is in Top Gun Maverick. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a spoiler to say. Uh, Katie and Connor, you have seen Top Gun Maverick as we record. I have yet to. Um, and if you know Val, obviously there was the documentary that came out last year, 2021. It's on Amazon Prime now. It's called Val. He wrote a 
autobiography that came out the year before 2020 called I'm Your Huckleberry. I think they tread similar ground. I read a little bit of the of the autobiography. I rewatched the doc. And, you know, Val got diagnosed with uh, cancer in 2015. And what it led to was he has trouble speaking, right? He has kind of a scenario where he has, you know, a, a throat apparatus in which he kind of, if he if he must talk, there's basically a hole he needs to talk through. It's kind of, it's a, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. Obviously, the documentary, I think, rather lovely, It's it handles it in a lovely way. Uh, Jack Kilmer narrates his father Val's writing and voiceover. Sounds a lot like him too. Sounds like like him. Yeah, Yeah, he sounds like him. But in other moments, Val does talk and I like that they do that because I do like that you're, it doesn't feel, it feels just very honest. And and rewatching the documentary, I was kind of reminded of that. And I was like, oh, that's nice that you have kind of both things, right? Where it's like you're getting Val in his own voice in a myriad of different ways. Anyway, that's recently, he's obviously not in as many movies as he used to be, partly because of that situation, but he's still working. And um, I guess, so our first Val encounters as movie people, I, you know, this is going to be boring, but it had to have, for me, had to have been Batman Forever. I saw it in theaters. Right, ninety five. That might have been K- like the first real one. Right, the I, first like, Val. Who, Katie, do you have I, like, any sense of was. your first Val? You oh, I do. Oh, um, go on. So I was like grandmothered into loving Val Kilmer because my mom and my older sister were obsessed with him, and they thought he was so hot, especially in Willow. So good, like, good I just taste. remember being, yeah. being like five or something, and being aware of the fact that like my mom and my older sister were like. Val Kilmer oh my god (laughs) and my mom for sure showed me top secret and real genius like very young like probably 10 and then um so I remember like uh, knowing who he was and like loving him because my mom and my sister loved him and then Batman Forever was like a very formative experience for me that I don't need to totally get into but it was probably like the first movie that I was like, oh, I'm super excited to see this. Like I was probably 12-ish and anticipating like a big summer blockbuster. The soundtrack was a huge deal. I was obsessed with the soundtrack. I bought the soundtrack. I was watching a lot of MTV. The Kiss from a Rose video was on all the time. Chris O'Donnell in the Robin suit was like part of my sexual awakening just to sure. overshare with the, ear, there. With the earring. Well, the- it's, can I just quickly, it's funny <laughs> you say that because I, I was maybe a little younger yeah. when Batman Forever came out, but I, I have a vivid, me- I did, this is funny you said, I have a vivid memory of the like oversexed Chase Meridian character that Nicole Kidman played. <laughs> yes, that she's scene so horny. On the roof, yeah. That scene on the roof when he's like, what is it with girls? In in college, it was this, and now it's black leather, right? That whole like yeah. that whole thing. <laughs> I remember being however seven, however old I was, and being like, oh, so this is a different thing I'm watching than right. what I've usually watched. Like <laughs> there was Barney and there was this other animated thing, and now I'm watching this and I'm thinking... What is this? 
what is this emotion she has yeah. here? What would I, how it's would I describe it? It's horny. Her whole personality is horny. It, yeah. In that movie. Definitely so what like, if I had sex with Batman <laughs> directly? Definitely like the horniest thing that I probably saw in a movie, in the, in the quote unquote safety of a movie theater at yeah. the time. Because I had like seen Batman Returns on like VHS, you know, which is mm -hmm. maybe arguably hornier than Batman Forever. They're both very horny movies. Um, but I, yeah, Batman Forever, definitely like a similar experience of like watching it and being like, oh, I think I know what this <laughs> is. Okay. Like, <laughs> and we have Joel Schumacher to thank for that. God bless him. God R. bless R. I. him. May he rest. R.I.P. Joel, Joel Schumacher, who directed the Kiss from a Rose video. I mean, this explains so much about me. Like, it truly explains so much about me. And like, I, when he, when Mr. Schumacher passed, you know, R.I.P. I was so sad. Yeah. He, I rewatched Batman Forever, and I'm like, this movie's so gay because sure. Oh yeah. Like two faces henchmen are just like these guys wearing gimp masks. Yeah. And it's like, like so fetishy. Yeah. And I'm like. God, this man like really implanted some deviance in my brain <laughs> at, at a very early age. So, but you know, God bless and cheers. <laughs> so like my my parents took me to see Batman Forever, right? Because like they, they would, of course, had to have. What were my parents? I, I, I should ask my I should <laughs> Like what, I, was, I the, my what mom, was their reaction to the movie? I don't think yeah. my mom would remember, but like I would... Uh, I would actually like to ask Julie Mecca, like, hey, so, you know, when, come on. <laughs> what were you thinking? When, when you were there, and obviously, no no judgment. You took your kid to a Batman movie, of course, but you're in the theater now. Mm. Right. And we went to the cheap theater, right? Went to the $2 theater, you know, South Hills Mall. Shout out Poughkeepsie, New York. And, like, I think it's still there. And, like, she's sitting there, and what, she's just like, oh, this is a little... uh Okay. 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 I, I think you know. My, I don't I think know. My I mom left me and a and like a friend in the theater. Like I think yes, like she right. Like I don't know if you ever experienced this when you were young, but like where you know you were. I think my mom might have actually. And that's what you said. I you think were like she just too like young to. Yeah, you were like just too young to oh, wow. go on your own. Yeah. But like they would Once sit you, you in the theater and then they'd leave or whatever. And then they'd come back. <laughs> yeah, my mom like did that. Come back. Yeah. Like I, I have a feeling I was dropped off as well. But I sure. was I was a, a tween. So it was like more a normal. Little, a more little normal. normal. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. So, Connor, are there any other? I mean, we can move on, but like, are there any other vows? Because like, I'll just say, I didn't get to like Real Genius, uh, Top Secret. Those were later in my life. Yeah. Um, I guess Top Gun. So, Top Gun, you know, obviously, reason for the season partly is because the sequel's obviously coming out but top gun i definitely watched and my mom loved tom cruise as we've talked about and certainly i like top gun and i've always liked it i don't love top gun it's never been one of those movies for me it is for a lot of people i totally get it um i did rewatch it partly for this episode partly because the new one's coming out val's amazing in it like He's you so really good. forget like and he talks about in the doc and in his book and in general like he didn't really want to do the movie. Tony Scott kind of convinced him to do the movie. And he really had to fight to add nuance to the Iceman character. And he really does. Like, yeah, that's a great character. He's and the, that he's really the could good have been guy. not a great like, character. That's like the craziest thing about rewatching. He Top really Gun does a great job. Is yeah. like, is he's just correct the whole time. Right. And I feel like, like he's the villain. Yeah, but yeah. You're like, no, but he's actually right. talking I, sense. I think, he I think Iceman becomes like the 
poster child for like 80s villain right like what you know whatever Blonde, like eight, eight, right. yeah yeah like and uh too handsome by half right, right? like e- the whole like e- exactly and, like shoving someone into a locker and right, doing a little right. e- exactly like you he know. may as well have like a preppy sweater around well, his even neck just, or something even, like he, like he yeah. has scenes where he just is like <laughs> his chest is like just you know he's peacocking he's like literally like yeah <laughs> he literally like um, there's like two scenes where he's when they go to the bar when they go to the bar for the first time and you see him and he's got like that girl on his arm um yeah and he's he's got his that he's whole, got his aviators whole, on in the bar that which whole is the bar best. scene i was like they just filmed this yeah, and yeah. It's in a movie. Like, um, what a scene that but, is no but i i think um top gun i came to later because i yeah 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 it, i think I, I came to it like after i saw mission impossible so like i knew who was val kilmer was loved him i like basically finally knew who tom cruise was loved him and had that moment as like you know a young kid being like wait they're in a movie together like i was just like <laughs> that was your I, heat <laughs> i was yeah i was fucking so i was fucking so excited and i remember kind of liking it as a kid and then you know then not liking it and i realized i i'm on my recent rewatch before seeing maverick uh i lo- i bumped it back up a little bit i i liked it a little more than i remember but i i understand yeah. why people do and don't let me but Kilmer's Let me just, like unimpeachable in the movie, I think. He's great. So just to, before we get too far into it, our official four B-sides are going to be John Dahl's Kill Me Again from 1989, Erwin um, Winkler's At First Sight from 1999, DJ Crusoe's The Sultan Sea from 2002, and Rennie Harlan, guest on this show, yeah, Rennie Pat, Harlan's Mind Hunters guest. from 2005. Rennie. Uh, check that episode out. He was a great guest. Very honest. We didn't talk about Mindhunters. No, we didn't. Um, we didn't. But plenty to talk about with him. So those are our four official. I will say he's not in a lot of Mindhunters. So yeah, we can... I was like, oh, shit. We, <laughs> but yeah, really no, we, watched, we watched it. It's yeah, okay. it's going to be fun to talk about. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he does a lot. He does a he lot does. with limited time. With yes. a little. <laughs> As vows want to do. And we'll get yes. into it. But um, okay, so. Quick, we've been kind of doing the context. So Val, obviously, as we record right now, he is 62 years young. Um, we mentioned he was married to Joan Whaley um, for a few years in the late 80s, early 90s. They officially met on the set of Willow, though in the documentary, Val Kilmer mentioned seeing her on stage in London when he was filming Top Secret. She was in a Danny Boyle directed play and he like fell in love with her on the stage. And then they, by, by fate, they met on the set of Ron Howard's Willow and the rest as they say is history. And then the next year in 1989, they connect with John Dahl to make Kill Me Again, which is the first of kind of the great trilogy of neo-noirs that John Dahl would make, right? Kill Me Again, Red Rock West. And then of course, The Last Seduction. I would argue they get better, right? I think sure. like- it's a great trilogy. He goes on to have a pretty great Hollywood career. Brief, he, he directs a lot of TV now, but he goes on to do Rounders, obviously, Joyride, right? Uh, both very good movies. But the, these three, I think, are very, they become seminal in the world of, you know, 80s, 90s genre pieces. Yeah, give me, give me like a John Dahl box set on Blu-ray of these three movies. Like, yeah. the, like, oh my God. It's such I a, would buy it instantly. It's such a fucking good triple yeah. feature. And this one, I mean, so Kill Me Again, I can do the plot really quickly for this one because it's actually, it's really the most, I think the most like 
it's the least neo and the most noir, right? It's totally. very sure. much like just like this could have been made in 1952. Yes, I love that. I was about even it. looking it up. Like I'm not still not convinced that it wasn't. Like, like George, <laughs> like, like George Raft. God bless right, him. We right. talked. We talked about him with uh, um, when we talked about uh, um, you, you know George, uh, Joan, Harris, Joan Harrison. Jo- yeah. yeah, Joan Harrison. George Raft could have just done this with his eyes closed. <laughs> he could have played <laughs> the Valcom role. Just John, simple John Garfield, like somebody. Yeah, like I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So, so Kilmer plays Jack Andrews. He's a private eye. He's down on his luck, of course. Um, he has doesn't have a pot to piss in. The you know the he owes a bookie money. They're gonna break. They literally break one of his fingers. What have you? And then, um simultaneously john whaley and michael madsen pull off they rob mobsters in in the process madsen kills one of the mobsters they steal the money one of the the other mobster is not killed but then john whaley pulls a fast one on michael madsen and knocks him out and steals the money and then finds jack andrews in the phone book because he he his He's the first one in the phone book, Jack Andrews. Love that, by the way. That's Ooh. that's the shit where it makes it really like a 50s thing where you're like, totally great touch. <laughs> I love that. That's how she finds him. Walks into his office and is like, hey, I got my ex-boyfriend's trying to kill me. Um, so I think what you need to do is you, you, you need to kill me. I'll pay you 10 grand. You need to fake knives. my death. Yeah, fake yeah. my death. Yeah. Thank you. Five grand now, five grand later. Can you do it? And he's like, eh, hem ha, hem ha. You're beautiful. I need the money. I'm in a noir. I'll do it. And, then, <laughs> and basically, they do it. There, there's femme fatale stuff. There's some sexual tension. There's some chemistry. Blah blah blah. But of course, Jack Andrews does not know that the mob is also going to be after him. He does not know fully that Michael Madsen is going to be after him. Right. So. Um, oh, and she leaves him hanging. She like she busts off hanging. with the second five thousand, and yeah. he's like, "I have to collect my money." Yeah, yeah. So. which a mistake. I mean, admittedly, Jack, <laughs> I would just call it a wash, enjoy the five grand, and be on your way. <laughs> right. But if he once again, he's in a noir. And right. So um, you and live she, in look, Reno. She, just she go, to, Joanne, go to a fucking she, casino, and you know, she's Joanne Whaley. Very, she's got a very stunning presence and whatnot. So right. okay. Um, that's that's the setup we won't spoil but okay. but basically that's your movie you could probably guess where it goes i think um Kilmer's, you can guess where it goes because of the title the title kill yeah. me again which right. i'll say which I, is a great title i love this title yeah, yeah people should watch this movie it's currently it's so on the roku good. channel yeah like, anybody can watch it. it's on the roku channel right now i thought her, this is my favorite of the four it's okay good. yeah, yeah so her delivery that, of yeah. of the titular line is my favorite part of the movie yeah. i've been saying it to connor for yeah. like two weeks it's, it's like <laughs> jack you need to kill me again and like, like camera zooms yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so it's great so it's like a I sam raimi pushing i would love to go to a rep screening of this movie yes i think this movie is like ripe for rediscovery on via film twitter or uh, yeah, like new beverly can, or something like it needs to be like re-embraced i feel like people are you know we did our our nicholas cage episode with mutual friend Corey everett and right, we right, talked right, about right. red rock west um and i feel like that movie is getting you know finally getting rediscovered by like you know general you know whatever film twitterers or whatever you want to call it but yeah, I think if that movie can get rediscovered, then so can this one, because it's just it works on all the same levels. Like, I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know how much 
Kilmer is necessarily adding as an actor, uh, but is like, I think, vitally important as a movie star in this movie. Like he just has yeah. the presence of like a film noir washed up detective leading man type quality. So like it works really well. I think he splits. I think he splits the difference um, where he works in 1989 as a as a beautiful person right? sure. so i think the thing about kilmer and i kind of mentioned this in my introduction but like kilmer's is a very pretty person right like and he always was pretty Un- under- and... understated understatement <laughs> right, yeah. right he's just a beautiful yeah. he's like, a gorgeous man yeah i think you could say like objectively like almost like in a brad pitt way right if if you had a scientist be like Oh yeah, you see how the face contours like that. It's the, like, the job. Yeah, blah. he's just yeah. got like perfect bone structure, and the hair is beautiful, and the whole thing. So like mm-hmm. that that is not a fifties thing. He's not Humphrey Barker. He's not George Raft. He's mm-hmm. not even like a Dana Andrews. You know, like was right. was handsome, but more like a Don Draper type of a thing. The, Kilmer is very MTV, Katie. To your point, he's very like I could be in tears for you know for fears, right? Like or whatever, right? <laughs> right, sure. But but his acting style in this movie is kind of you know hard one, you know, very kind of stoic in moments, right? And I think he he does a good job of like almost like I said, splitting the difference. I think Joanna Whaley maybe doesn't do as quite as good of a job. But I think it's still a very good performance. And I think like she's this a is a trip. Like yeah. she's, yeah. Yeah. she's is, like a kook. Yeah. Especially when you know the origin of their relationship, which is that he's doing top secret in London. And then he goes to this play and he's like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this woman. But like, I'm a stupid clown in this <laughs> Zucker Brothers movie. Right. And he feels bad for himself. But like Connor and I were talking before we started recording that. You know, he's, he comes out of the gate with this, like, starring role in yeah. this comedy that's a hit that, like, is still so funny to this so day. So yeah. funny, yeah. And um, he's, you know, he comes out right out of the gate, completely yeah. fully formed, and, sort of fully fledged. And follows it up with Real Genius, which is, like, I also, I rewatched today, a movie I love, and, like, yeah. an amazing comedic performance. Like, incredible. Like, to, to yeah, the point where you're weirdly, just like, oh, yeah, like... So- it's so weird how it's so similar to Sean Penn. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And when yeah. you and so so in so it's also mentioned, and I have here in my little research doc, right? They Penn and Kilmer connect because Kilmer's first New York theater job is in um, Slab Boys, where he's the lead. He has the lead role and gets demoted to the third lead because Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn. Huh. both become available huh. right right but sean penn to my point he obviously becomes famous because of fast times but then like almost spends his entire career being like you know what i'm gonna do not fast times right like, very he's like serious right. Like, i'm not right, jeff spicoli relax yeah. sean we get it you're very serious calm down sean seriously don't make the last <laughs> face sean but it's just funny to think about yeah. joanne whaley who's this like british theater actress and suddenly she's playing this like over the top floozy like almost clownish performance in kill me again but she's so fully committed to it that it works sure but those you're, big like, eyes so she's so like, animated yeah flirting with the desk clerk 
dark and stuff. And then where they have this like weird erotic like death faking scene where they're like, oh, well, then you would throw me on the bed. And he's like spilling the blood all over her. It's so good. But she's like so over the top. It's it's great. It's like funny funny to to think of them doing this. You don't want to you don't want to put like motivations in people. But like when you watch that scene specifically, right, you can tell you i would love to ask john Dahl. like this is when you thought of the last seduction right like this scene <laughs> is the whole movie the last seduction where it's like what if there was a woman who just like did that and mm. like monetized that whole thing all the time <laughs> and you're like well it'd be a good movie and it was um, <laughs> yeah i know because that scene is kind of like the the gem of the thing that kind of like makes kill me again work so well yeah it kind of catapults the movie into onto yeah. another plane right i think it, you're kind of watching it like oh this is nice and then there's like a very sexy scene i don't scene by scene i don't know that whaley and kilmer actually have an amazing chemistry always but in that scene and that's the most important scene they do right and i think and then in willow which is the year before they have kind of a um she doesn't like him or respect yeah, it's him, like right? an antagonistic, so it's antagonistic yeah, thing yeah. it's a little different but but um and michael madsen my god like this oh, guy was just shooting fireballs for like five years yeah. i know i it's mean so I you kind of forget how much how michael good madsen he was. fucking rules like he like like thelma and louise yeah. like my i remember even when i was a kid speaking of being formative he's the he's the stepdad in free willy yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. And he it's like actually a very like soft performance. Yeah. And he's quite lovely. I have to say, Free Willy. Who thought we'd mention Free Willy on a Yeah, we should <laughs> go back and re- I have not seen Free Willy since I was but a kid. But he's quite quite lovely in that film. Anyway, but yeah. yeah. No, he I mean and like ugh, I can't even talk about Michael Madsen. I mean, it it would have to be censored, but um yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so hot it. in this and so bad. <laughs> He's so hot and so bad. And like, there's so many good, like, yeah, it's just one of those. It's a really good example of the this period of time, right? Because like Dahl never gets credit for anything really, which is a shame. But like, you know, you have Soderbergh made, making Sex Lies, same year, right? You have Spike Lee doing his thing. You have Jarmusch. You have all these people. And Dahl's kind of like doing a different thing in a similar budget range, and getting notices to a smaller degree. And I do like there's been a small reappraisal, not for Kill Me Again, but for obviously Red Rock. And Last Seduction has always kind of been around. But like, yeah, I really hope people kind of discover Kill Me Again because Kilmer, this is his, really, this is his movie star stretch here because even though he's arguably bigger in the mid nineties, mm. this is where he's his best, right? Cause it's kill me again. Thunderhearts a couple years from now, which is a really underrated, really good movie for Kilmer. And then you have stuff like the doors, which might not be a great movie, but God damn, is that not one of the greatest performances it's, I've ever I, seen? I, I, re- I rewatched like, that today for the first time, maybe since like high school. And I just, it's so weird how good he is. It's I like, just, actually, I remarked like, out loud to my wife. I was just like, you know, I don't think I like this movie, but this performance is fucking insane. Like, and here's it's the like, thing: I'll say this. I'll say this for the movie. I don't think it's a great movie. It's kind of got that Stone Oliver Stone bloat that I think happened after JFK, where mm. like same year, same year as JFK, same year. The doors, okay. yeah. So, so you get a little bit of Stone being like, maybe I am the greatest filmmaker in the world, and he like makes movies like Heaven and Earth, where you're kind of like, 
okay, Oliver, like, come on. Like, we can cut a little bit of this, right? Come on. And the doors, I feel like you're getting a little bit of that. But well, the problem, because the problem in the doors is that I feel yeah. like that movie has a reputation for being four hours long and it's only 220. You know what I mean? But, but, yeah, but it's pretty lame. It's a breezy 220. That's like the perfect you know representation i mean he's so like, good in that movie that like for years i thought that he like early in my understanding totally. i i thought he was jim morrison like, 100%. pictured his face when i thought of jim morrison to, uh, to uh, hand to god to this day re-watching the val documentary <laughs> i was watching him in his audition thing that they cut to because yeah the coolest thing about the val doc and you should watch it it's a, not the greatest documentary ever made but but the coolest thing about the doc is Throughout his career, Val Kilmer would always record his experiences on his own, like, tapes. And so they have all of this footage of, like, him on sets. And that's the best part of the doc because it's just, like, weird moments with, like, Rick Rossovich from, like, yeah. Top Gun <laughs> yeah. and, like, Kurt Russell from Tombstone. And so, anyway, but with The Doors, the, one of the best scenes that no one ever talks about is there is a scene when they're at, like, the Santa Monica Pier – early on in the band's incarnation and Jim Morrison, Val Kilmer's talking to Kyle McLaughlin's character and is like, look, he's basically like, it's all an act. It's all bullshit, but yeah. I'm really good at it. And this is going to make us be successful. And I love that that scenes in the movie, because that's like a thing about Jim Morrison that like people debate where it's like, was he full of shit? Did he know what he was doing? Did he believe it? And I always kind of ascribe to like, he was kind of full of shit and he knew it, but then he ended up believing it like a lot of people. Mm. And then he had this tragic death. And I like that scene. And I think Kilmer plays it so perfectly because then by the end of the movie, you believe you're like, Oh, this dude just like bought in. Like he, he, the con was on and then he conned himself. Right. And then that's like what the movie's about. And I, so that's the most interesting part about the movie, but unfortunately there's just too much other stuff in it. It kind of bloats it. But anyway, so he's doing these movies, right? So The Doors, Come Again, The Doors, Thunderheart, The Real McCoy, which we'll get back to. I watched. It could have definitely been a B-side. Tombstone becomes kind of an iconic surprise hit. He's got the great true romance role where he plays Elvis Presley. Amazing. Amazing mm -hmm. little role. Mm -hmm. And that's, I really think, and Heat obviously comes, you know, in 95. I really think Heat is the peak, right? I think... Heat is where it's like that's he's been I mean, great. it's probably his I mean, maybe best well, I think performance. The doors is his best performance. Yeah, right. Sure. But, but that's like that's almost not that's like cheating. Like But I mean, like Kilmer and Heat is like he's a movie star, he's led movies, but he's third build with like the two greatest actor American living American actors. Mm -hmm. And he's so good in it. Like mm -hmm. he has his own great scenes, right? Mm-hmm. And now, Katie, do you know anything about Heat? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> have you heard? Have you? Do you know anybody what? in your life? Anybody in your life who likes Heat or yeah. talks about this movie? I could think Let's of a talk few. About it for 30 more yeah. minutes. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was actually just looking at Hit about like if Heat. I do think you're right that like Heat is the apex, but it that's kind of kind of sad that he well, is that's kind of what i'm getting at a little yeah. bit yeah because like then you're looking yeah. at the rest and like that's all kind of like not that great and like you know a lot of the val documentary is him sort of grappling with his yes. career and kind of being like am i top secret am i batman forever like am i gonna be a clown or am i gonna be a huge movie a star genius. yeah 
you know, and like, it's kind of funny in the Valdoc when he's like, yeah, I hated wearing the rubber cowl so much that I like only did one Batman movie and then went and did heat and was like third build when he could have, you know, done a ton of other huge, uh, starring roles after that. But he, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a Brad Pitt in the sense that he's like this super handsome guy in the character actor body. Sure. Exactly. Or no, he's a, he's a, he's a character actor in a super handsome movie star body. Yes. yes, he, He doesn't like quite figure it out. And I feel like he probably would have had like a once upon a time in Hollywood kind of moment, but he's done so many movies and like so many of them, I'm like, these had to have been because you were in debt, like sure. d- yeah. divorce proceedings, I mean, dad defrauding him. I mean, look, we don't need to. We don't. I mean, we need, don't need to speculate, but it's just we, interesting. Yeah. But, but to I was gonna look say, at look, the choices he's made. <laughs> and there, look, there are look, and I'll link to some of this in the article. He he's not easy to work with, right? That's been documented, right? Yeah, I true. Think it goes both ways. That does mean something. Um, you know, I think in this industry um and we talked about this Katie a little bit on the the Miami Nice uh episode that I was on like it does matter like if you are I was just thinking this yeah if you come into a set as Val I think sometimes did and you're like hey I'm gonna challenge you about everything you know if there's enough John Frankenheimers and look not that Frankenheimer was a picnic I mean nobody's (laughs) nobody's saying an RIP but nobody's like hey you know John Frankenheimer was really nice to actors like nobody's (laughs) like I don't think any actor was like oh yeah Frankenheimer uh, was great other than like Burt Lancaster who probably like fucking loved Frankenheimer yeah right 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 right. (laughs) but but like my point is like if you do that right you're probably not gonna get the Brad Pitt back end because People are probably going to be like, you know what, man? Sorry, I'm a little tired. Like, you're, you know, like, thanks, but no thanks. And I think with Val, kind of re-watching some of this stuff, re-going through, I think the moment, and, and we're kind of approaching at first sight, which is almost kind of we're approaching the end of, like, Val Kilmer, A-list leading man moment. Mm-hmm. But right before at first sight, he does... The Saint, the Philip Noyce movie adapted from the Roger Moore series from the 60s, even though the two are nothing alike. But I think if The Saint had become a hit, because I do think The Saint's a pretty good movie, that could have really been the thing for Val Kilmer because I think it satisfies both things. I think it's it's a blockbuster property. He can be a movie star. But because the way they do The Saint is he's like, He's a master of disguise. He's wearing so many goofy yeah. ass disguises. But he gets to do he all gets the to shit that Val yeah. does yeah. his whole career. Yeah. Like, do these accents. Like, when you watch the child videos, childhood videos that he made with his brothers yeah. in the dock, he's just doing the saint. Like, when you yeah. watch the saint, he's yeah. clearly the the moments he loves the most are when he's like, oh, I get to play a, like, he's weird, like, nerdy a scientist. Right. Dumb yeah. mustache on yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, if you got the saint two and the saint three, I guarantee you that would have been like a catapulting thing but unfortunately kind of just is a mad performance at the but box I, office but like i like i remember going to see the, the saint in theaters and you know being like "Ooh, val kilmer like i'm a teenage girl i want to go see the new val kilmer action thriller whatever and then being like you know like i can't remember what my reaction was i think i was like yeah it was okay i think i had no sense of how to discern whether things were good or not at that point but um 
you know, it's like, it's not like if he's doing a bunch of weird masking disguise <laughs> right. videos, you're like, this isn't what I signed like, up for. Right. Like, I, I want to saw- see that. Like, the, yes. the Ghost yeah. in the Darkness is where you're getting more of your money's worth. If like that. Because right. I, I rewatched that too. He's very like, handsome he's in the so Ghost in the Darkness. He's so hot in that movie. It's like yeah. crazy. <laughs> he's very handsome in that. Yeah, that's a movie. That's kind of a development hell movie where michael douglas ended up being in the movie because that was the only way they could get it made and he's you know i like the ghost in the darkness but douglas is it's the weirdest casting choice in the world like if you the minute you tell me he produced the movie and had to be in it to get it made i'm like oh well yeah it makes so much sense (laughs) i I had no idea why he was in the movie it also it's funny because like i think we've talked about this but like that was supposed to be cruise is like who it was written for the Patterson character, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Kilmer no, 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 character. Uh, yeah. What's his name? It's uh, no, not the Kilmer character. Oh, Remington. Was yeah, supposed Remington to be was supposed to be Cruz, and it was supposed to be a Top Gun reunion. Oh, and and I think it was that they couldn't get Cruz because of Mission Impossible, uh, which whatever. Look, we, we netted out fine. I'm glad. Yeah, that we, happened. I think we. But we it were is. All right, yeah. It does always kind of bug me when I and I like that movie a lot. Ghost in the Darkness. That oh, was, and that, can we just say amazing title, especially because. It's the name of, of the, the two lines. Yeah. The lines. The yeah. lines. name of the two lines. Yeah, it's great. The it's ghost a, no, it's a, it's a fucking rad movie. It's it's Jaws with Lions. It's 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 cool as hell. Stephen but, Hawkins, baby. We've been uh, to, two episodes in a row. We've we talked get, about Stephen Hawkins movies. Yeah. We'll do an episode on Hopkins. Why not? Um, we better. We better. We'll get them all. But, we got to get them all. <laughs> but yeah, like to your point, Dan, like the the some of the lines and, you know, assuming that Douglas is just reading the part somewhat mm. as written right you're, you're kind of like it's all it almost feels like if it had been Cruz, it just would have been his performance in the last samurai but like a decade earlier kind of thing like mm-hmm. it's like that kind of uh that kind of thing but it all it all tracks when you when you hear about that stuff anyway not one but of it is movies, interesting but it's a cool to movie. think about like the stuff that came after like batman forever and heat and like the things that like the saint kind of tanks yeah. The Ghost in the Darkness is in there, but then you also have The Island of Dr. Moreau. Right. Oh, famous <laughs> Which I love yeah, because yeah. it's such a hot mess. And he was notoriously horrible on that movie. I mean, that whole movie was like cursed from the beginning. Didn't he? He took his, he changed roles on them because he didn't well, so want to be there that long or something like well, that. Well, yeah. Like, so, so Lost Souls is the documentary, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. Richard Stanley was the original. Uh, director, he got replaced by John Frankenheimer. Frankenheimer really hated Val Kilmer. Was very vocal about it, and and it was vice versa. You know, and Kilmer Val Kilmer like was Frank just Hall. being a psycho. Kilmer yeah, came on the set <laughs> uh, when Stanley was still directing, or like, even before he came on the set, and he basically was like, "I don't want to play the lead." Was he supposed to be David? The yeah, he was yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, he was supposed to be the lead. So what character. happened was he gets he gets on set right before set. He's like, "I don't want to be. I don't want to be the lead." Uh, I just was on Batman. I'm tired or whatever it was. He's like, I want to be the assistant to Moreau, which who's Montgomery, right? Yeah. Which, which mm-hmm. he plays. And they're like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah. But they negotiate it. Rob Morrow was the was then cast as the lead, but left the project after like a few days because he was like, fuck this. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. And so they like fly Thulis in to like last minute be the third person cast in that role. <laughs> And then it's just a nightmare. You can watch the documentary. I'll link to the documentary. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a fun really, it's a please fun watch Lost Souls. And and also, I'm pretty sure that Marlon Brando like threw Val Kilmer's phone into the bushes. Yeah, 
on on that movie. My favorite bit from that is the is Frankenheimer calling the producers or them calling Frankenheimer because they're like we hear we hear it's like three p.m. and you haven't rolled anything yet, <laughs> and he's like, well, Val won't get out of his trailer until Marlon gets out of his trailer, and Marlon <laughs> won't get out of his trailer until Val gets out of his trailer, and it's just like. And, anyway, and I think yeah. in Val in the Val documentary, like it's funny how the Val. I mean, the Val documentary is very memoiristic. It's sure. very like well, he yeah, does not talk about know, being yeah. a, a huge fucking asshole. Like, but yeah. it's like it's a movie he makes with his kids. Like he's obviously you know not in great shape. He's not going to be like, let me get into the nitty gritty of all right, the bullshit right. I did on this <laughs> set. But like he talks about how Marlon, like he basically took this movie because Marlon Brando was. In it, there yeah. and he's his yeah. I, he's his icon and he wants to work with him and then he's and like he then he just spends the whole movie like pissing this man off <laughs> and like well, filming him with a camcorder <laughs> and so it's it so let's just say this really quickly because we'll get into it but yes yeah. like the autobiography and the documentary are very like this is Val's version of his life, yes. which yes. is fine, which is fine. Yeah. And no, and, but you and have no, to understand no is, that that's what that is. And yeah. Look, no, And look, in fairness, no one is saying it's not. Like Val right. is very much saying like, hey, here's how I right. experienced it. Where you're like, oh, okay, okay. You know? Right. And, and, and so Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau is the name of that documentary, right? From like 10 years ago. Right. Um, to hear Val describe it, him and Brando were brothers in arms on this production <laughs> yes. that went haywire because the first guy didn't know how to direct and the second guy was a tyrant, right? That's yeah. like the picture he paints, which I'm sure there is truth to it. Yeah. But then in the in Val, the documentary, he approved the camcorder footage of him talking to Mother Brando. I don't want to be like... You know, no, he's like antagonizing it. Really him. seems like Marlon Brando's like, get the fuck yeah, out of right, here, dude. Right, right, right. And like, and like Val's Val's recollection of it is like, me and Marlon got along. I'm like, Val, maybe you thought <laughs> you and Marlon got along, but I feel like if we asked Marlon, right, right. Marlon might be like. Who are you talking about? Right. Slash, right. Oh, I yeah, hate that him. Kid, I didn't like him. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if we have so, a seance and things. we ask yeah. Marlon right. Brando, he would come back from the dead and say, "Fuck Valcomer." Uh, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and not even yeah. to mention, and I'll mention this later, but like you know, obviously many actors of Val Kilmer's age and ilk idolize Marlon Brando, and you know, in Kilmer's case, to the point where later on in his career, there are movies where he is just doing. Marlon Brando, and we'll get into that. But <laughs> yeah. so, so to, to all this to say, right, we get to the end of the millennium, and you have um, at first sight, which is directed by Erwin Winkler, who you would know he's an iconic producer. He's also directed a few movies, Guilty by by Suspicion, Life as a House, right, what have you. But he's like produced a lot of Scorsese movies. He produced The Irishman. He produced Raging Bull, right? He's like an iconic Hollywood presence. Um, he directs the movie. It's based on Oliver Sacks' story. Oliver Sacks, of course, is the doctor who the movie Awakenings is based on. Um, if you know that, Robert De Niro movie, Robin Williams, uh, Penny Marshall. Anyway, Val Kilmer, Mira Servino, 1999, big flop. Uh, it's basically flowers for Algernine with blindness, right? It's basically Val Kilmer plays a guy named Virgil. That makes blind. it sound so good. <laughs> 
What's weird is Kelly McGillis is his sister, Top Gun Reunion. Yeah. I was like watching the movie. There's I was a, like, oh, there's a lot God. of that too. I rewatched a bunch of his movies, and he there's like an orbit of or, top of of top not not only Top Gun, but like him and Christian Slater, and him and Tony Scott, and him like it's like there's a lot of like things. And I'll that, say this. I'll say this. So some people love speak highly of Val Kilmer. So I don't want to, and I'll link to this. Like Mir Servino on this yeah. movie only had good things to say. So yes, I think and he's like one he, of these guys. Um, De Niro. Yeah. I mean, I think like Pacino or yeah, whatever guys from Heat. They like they said he was great. Like he does have a reputation for being difficult, but other people have said he's been great. Well, and so. even to your, to that exact point, Katie Erin Winkler, who works with De Niro all the time, mm-hmm. heard the stories and before as he's prepping this movie, and he called De Niro and Pacino and was like, "Hey guys, like I." making this movie what do you think about val and they were like hire him he's great we love working with him so so 100 i'll link to i'll link to these sources in the article you know there are two sides blah 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 i think well here here's the thing about val just he seems like and i don't want to be derogatory he seems like an actor, guys. You know, <laughs> actors yeah. are weird, yeah. man. The guy's been acting his whole life. He was right. admitted to Julie. He was admitted to Juilliard at sixteen. He was a prodigy, literally. Like, if that's your life, if you're that, you're probably gonna be a little strange, for better or worse. You're probably gonna be I the mean, type of dude. Jeremy Strong, sets. like he's yes. he's he's yes. The, cut from the same cloth as jeremy strong you know if you read that profile about him which everyone got so mad about because he's you know method or whatever and it sounds like kilmer does some of this most similar things too like who on tombstone said that they like never michael met him? like michael b yeah, yeah it's like michael i never B's met like, him. don't ask me about working with val kilmer i haven't met val kilmer i've only met uh you know doc holiday whatever which yeah. is what hathaway said about leto on we crashed i haven't met jared leto i've only met right, adam newman right. yes god bless her uh, we crashed but look, um, we all remember we all look we Flew and we crashed with we crashed. That was <laughs> iconic viewing. We all were there for it. So, so at first sight, 99, flop movie, him and Mir Savino, Flowers for Algenine. He's blind uh, most of his life. Insanely based on a true story. Insanely based, which we'll get into. <laughs> Servino is an architect who works in New York City. She goes basically upstate quote-unquote to a spa gets an amazing massage from a guy who turns out to be val kilmer very quickly falls in love with him in a way that i i connor is a post producer for his career he manages editors and we don't have enough time but i would just say (laughs) if i were teaching a post-production class at a college i would maybe show at first sight and say hey so look this is an example of how sometimes movies can be too edited and we can talk about how that happens because this is i think a prime example anyway they're immediately they fall in love and then i'd say four minutes later your scene is like hey so this blind thing is this this permanent thing (laughs) i i did a google search and found a guy played by bruce bruce davison who found the cure for blindness. And I would just like to just pitch it to you (laughs) and your sister, Kelly McGillis. You've been living your whole life with blindness. This is a huge decision. And also like your life is good. He's got a great job. Mira Servino in this movie is like one long, (laughs) am I the asshole post? Yeah, yes. like that's kind of what it is. It's the like, dude lives in like Rhinebeck, right? Yeah. Like a beautiful <laughs> yeah, town. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. is like, "Hey, 
Virgil fucking works on Bear Mountain. You know? we, <laughs> yeah, we love you. You Mount Snow is two feet away. Don't do anything. You're our favorite person in the world. Like, right. Yeah. Like, and Mira comes in and is like, she's like, do you want to move to New York City with me, a person that you've had sex with twice, yeah. and um, get and a also, surgery to right. change your entire experience of the world? <laughs> An that, experimental surgery in, in a fashion truly, that may in fact break your brain. Like, truly the most insane part of the movie without a doubt because <laughs> obviously he she convinces him to get the surgery he can see but of course the most insane thing about this mildly insane movie is <laughs> not mildly not mildly that, yeah. wildly Fair, yeah yeah <laughs> heavily insane movie is that they continue with the move to new york i would say yeah. let's maybe do one thing at a time <laughs> maybe right. maybe recover in the home i where you've lived your whole life, so you can be I like, know. oh, that's where the cooler's been the whole time. <laughs> I've always known, but I've never seen it. The cooler's blue. That's good to know. And then maybe you take a trip to New York and see all the yeah. insane shit that happens in the center of the world. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah you can see it anyway. It's insane. No, no, no. It's like, I didn't it, even like think about that, the but end, yes. Basically, yeah. they're just like, oh, you can't swim? Cool, here's the fucking ocean. Like, yeah. I know, and then, like, she, like, she's such an asshole. She's yeah. like... Oh, immediately like, an asshole. She's like, wait, you can't see? It's a problem? You're like... I know, but then, like, she, like, takes him to the party, which is an insane, insane thing to do. Insane, party. The, whole insane. the whole existence of Steven Weber, who i love wings the shining tv thing is fine he's i think he's an interesting actor he's kind of underrated yeah it's not the screenplay this must have just said this like character. a prick for the description right like so just he's like, the ex-husband of mira sorvino and, and like and business part and, and like they work architecture together partner. yeah yeah and like Okay, so here's her new boyfriend. He's a disabled person. Yeah, sure. Who is now like I would just the whole movie. I was just like, everyone's so fucking mean to him. Yeah, like, it's insane. He's it's, a it's disabled wild. person it, who's now trying to navigate the world. He can't his visual like capabilities. He doesn't know like this is Coke can yeah. or whatever. These are titties. The first thing he wants to see are, by the way, Mira Sorvino's titties. Yeah, but. <laughs> She's like, I did kind of appreciate the honesty of that. I did appreciate the honesty. (laughs) Like, she takes him to this party, and then he's like, kind of fumbling around. I'm like, no one's helping this man. He walks through a window, and then she like kisses Stephen Weber, and he's like, wait, why are you kissing your ex boyfriend? She's like, you don't understand. Like, that's how people kiss on birthdays. Dude, (laughs) I was like. My wife would divorce me. Right. It would be a divorce. If, if some shit like that happened, I was like, what move, What world is this woman living yeah. in? It's like, oh, no, that's just like a thing that I do with my exes. Like, you do? Yeah. You do. There's, well, She's they're, gaslighting they're like, they, him. They set her up as like um, some kind. Because she goes to the Bear Mountain Inn where he's a, uh, a masseuse. And uh, she goes as a means of whatever she's been like overworking, whatever. So they set her up as kind of like a workaholic, but it is like, yeah, I don't know. You just watch it. You're like, this woman is a sociopath. Well, but, like- <laughs> but to me, but that's the thing to me, to me, the hardest, the hardest pivot, right? Cause I think, look at its core, right. And Erwin Winkler, when he's directing is very traditional, right? Like, and I think it goes both ways. Like life is a house is a movie. I actually like quite a bit, but it's a movie where it's basically like, Kevin Klein lives a blessed life with a family, but there are like fractures within the family. He gets diagnosed with a terminal illness and he learns, right, th- that that what he always wanted 
was right in front of him all along. That's what the movie's about, right? Now, your mileage may vary. Like, I, and we could, and look, Corey Every, God bless him, and Connor, we lovingly call those things mecha core type of things is the joke. <laughs> I, I like that stuff. I buy into yeah. that stuff pretty hardcore, modern yeah. shit. And look, like an hey, upscale, look. it's like an upscale Hallmark movie. It's like if a Hallmark hey, look, movie had a little bit more zhuzh to it. Ain't no shame in my game, okay? Yeah. I know what I like. It is what it is. Okay, so yeah. Winkler does shit like that. Guilty by Suspicion, probably his best movie, right, about the blacklist. Is interesting. De Niro is the lead. Um, probably his most ambitious movie, right? So, like, it ebbs and flows with this guy. He directed The Net with Sandra Bullock, mm -hmm. right? right? Like, anyway, this is his most, like, he's just making a Douglas Sirk movie without any of the visual flourish, right? Mm -hmm. No offense. Uh, I mean, obviously, a little bit of offense. Which but feels like, like a crime when you're talking about a movie about a blind man who can then see. Like, yeah, you know, it's, there's it's, like, it's I just weird. feel like they, there's they, more you they, should be doing there. So they how, clearly, yes, 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 yes. There's yeah. like they do, weird editing and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And look, they, yeah, they do. They basically transfer to a handheld scenario for him learning sight, which I think is on its face interesting. But I think you got to do more. Like, you got to make it. You got to like do like. You have to do um, surrealist, absurd, like like hallucinatory, like, like color, like yeah. um, when you the when movie you let where, the lens bleed, you you know, like avant yeah. guard, where you like oh, um, like light leaks and stuff, like, like light yeah, leaks, yeah. like you have to do that shit, like really, or like, like irising kind of yeah. things, you, yeah. yeah, like rend render onto us what he's experiencing. Don't like, and they try to, they try we'll to know. do it like they try to do it like yeah. one time in the scene with the coke can when he when he takes his bandages off but they don't and, really kind yeah. of fuck with it after that and i think which and then when i mentioned the editing i think what you run into is when a producer directs i think what you what can happen is i don't think the movie needs to be longer necessarily but the emotional turns are so abrupt that yeah. it's like <laughs> to be laughed at like because mm. we're, we're we're joking about it but like mir servino convinces this guy to have life-changing surgery the surgery works and then five minutes later in the life of the movie she is frustrated yeah right that he can't fully and they see. don't even do you the courtesy of like yeah oh it's been a year or like you like do you know what i mean like mm. that would even, do wonders right they don't yeah. even give you the courtesy of like oh they've yeah. been together for like a little while now and and whatever. well yeah because like the the amount of time like i said like they literally have sex twice mm. right. and then she's like how about this surgery right <laughs> and then he's like bye sis i'm gonna and stay here in new york city and you're just like none of this makes sense also kelly McGillis, the only character who makes any sense yeah, in this movie God, I loved her. she's, loved her in this, she's so and good she and Val have chemistry yeah. and I'm like awkward. They're yeah, kind of siblings. in a weird way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and what's so funny is they went to Juilliard together and they mm. they didn't know each other well at school, but they bonded on the Top Gun set and that okay. bonding comes through and their scenes like yeah. they seem like the, the chemistry. I'll, I'll give you the chemistry, but I, I wasn't bought. Like I felt the chemistry worked with the brother sister relation. Like I felt she well, cared they, about they, him. It was the most authentic same seeming yeah, yes 100%. caring about each other. It was the most authentic seeming relationship. So maybe that's why I was like reading it as chemistry because totally. I'm like no no but you're right. You're totally these right. These two yeah. people they're actually people talking to each other rather than like 
the other insanity that's going on. And it sucks for Shervina, right? We know about all she had to deal with and God bless. Like yeah. she's lived a really tough life, but like mighty Aphrodite, an amazing, an amazing, amazing performance. She wins the Oscar totally deserved. I love that performance. And then she just gets crushed by these horrible men. Like it's it just like mimic should have been a great movie and it gets destroyed by Weinstein, all these things, not to mention way worse things. And then like Romeo and Michelle, a great movie gets buried because nobody believes in it, which is such a fucking crime. And then like, and then this movie, this movie gets a proper release, but unfortunately just isn't good enough. And it's not her fault yeah. at all. But like, but like there are just stuff where, like, so they go to this party. Okay. <laughs> she kisses her ex-boyfriend, like husband, ex-husband, full, ex-husband, yeah. fully kisses him. <clears throat> Val Kilmer, understandably, even if he wasn't recovering from a blindness thing, <laughs> right, is, yeah. is like, what the fuck is that? Tries <laughs> to leave, walks through a glass pane in yeah. this party. People basically just laugh at the dude, which yeah. is insane. Nobody's like, hey, do you need I, to go to hospital? Sorry that happened. And yeah. then, and then they go home and she wasn't going to leave for the work trip. Right. But. After he walks through a plain, a, a glass scenario, yeah, she's like, "Oh no, now I'm gonna go because yeah. she bothered me." I'm like, "Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah." I just Lady, kept being like, "This man on. is disabled. Like he needs <laughs> yeah. help." And then the only person who's helping him is fucking Nathan Lane, yeah, who's a no, psych therapist who gives him therapy by taking him to a strip club right. and being like you can't look you gotta see or whatever see, right. he tells yeah, him yes, like yes, yeah yes, whatever yes, he's yes, like yes. you're looking but you're not understanding and i'm like this poor man he is out in the cold no one is helping him <laughs> he's, <laughs> alone. Think, he's, he's alone he's <laughs> alone everyone's deriding him it's like it does have the setup of a like a lifetime movie or like a hallmark yes. christmas movie yeah. like workaholic goes gets a massage right. like girl boss you know <laughs> right. meets a nice blind right. masseuse right. and the way they position him as this blind masseuse is like so fetishistic too oh, yeah. like, it's, it's like it's what, if, what if your masseuse looked like val kilmer and you're just <laughs> and like, like he can't see he only sees with his hands right Ooh. right, right. <laughs> like, it's really erotic you know, it was so weird his character was introduction a... is literally like the just the sounds of an orgasm basically yes! like, like oh she's waiting to get her massage and the woman who's in there before well, her is do, basically look, having do... an orgasm on the table she's getting a happy ending yeah. from val gilmer right, who's right. like i don't know better <laughs> right. they do this they do this thing which i feel like was more common back in the day where they're like it's like a daredevil thing. It's like, well, he's blind, but he's a great masseuse because he just can like touch. Right. Yes. And yeah. you're like, okay, I guess. Like, right. It's such a weird tip. I don't know. I know. And so that's, look, that's at first sight. Yeah. I mean, I want to see, okay, I want to see a remake of this movie, oh, either directed it, yeah. by David Cronenberg. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. A horror movie. I want this to be a right. horror movie. The, the blindness stuff is kind of the most interesting thing and that's the problem right like in in this romance movie the blindness stuff is the more interesting thing like the but like a horror movie where she's a manipulative <laughs> like controlling partner being yeah. like get this surgery and then i'm gonna like gaslight you and you don't understand right. what's going on and like so either like some kind of body horror situation or i was like thinking lee winnell because Ooh, he okay. did upgrade Ooh, sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i like lee winnell biohacking situation and then he also did invisible man which right. really like 
got the, the controlling the partner. Can, we get, Liz, can we get Liz Moss in the Mira Servino role? Yes. Yeah. And get yes. her to be a little dom, a little like, yes. yeah. own it. I, I like think that. we should do this and just like, because I was like, this is a horror movie. This is a horror movie about horrible controlling partner. Katie, did you have Lee's number or did I have his number? We'll call him after. We'll call him <laughs> yeah. after the record. Lee? Hey, Lee. Yes. It's Dan. Wait, does he follow me on Twitter? Oh, oh check it out. Yeah, hey, we'll find out. A little but, DM. But, but you're right, Connor. You're right. Like the best ideas are the, we're like, look, you know, I mean, look. I mean, we should also say it is if, based on a true story. It's based on a true story. Yeah. If you've read... Flowers for Algernon, which I'm sorry, I keep referencing a fictional thing, but that's all I can think about. But like, um, it's not much of a spoiler to say, obviously, the site will not last. Right. And I think the most interesting moments come with the inevitability of that. Right. And you have a couple of nice moments with Bruce Davison towards the end of the movie and then a couple of really nice moments with Val Kilmer. And I'll say this, bringing it back to Kilmer I think he did some pretty interesting work here overall. And I think it's, you can see why he took the role. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. And I think it, it look, it speaks to the type a quote unquote theater kid thing that Val Kilmer represents throughout his career for better or worse, where it's like, he's really, really doing it. Like yeah. he, if you give him the assignment, my guy's going to, do the homework, <laughs> and then he's gonna do I more mean, I research. I believe he's blind. Yeah, like, he's gonna come right. He's gonna yeah. come into class. He's gonna hand in the assignment, and he's gonna follow up. And the teacher's gonna be like, "All right, all right, Val. All right, we get it. We get it." I right? mean, and I, yeah. No, it's just the <laughs> scene. In Real, it's just the scene in Real Genius where he gives William Atherton the note that says, "I ace this" after he finishes the exam. <laughs> yeah, right, like, right, right, right. Joanne Whaley divorced him for those damn leather pants in the doors because she was like, "He won't take these leather pants." Yeah. Off. Right. Right. <laughs> But I think, but but like even when you think about Val the person, and you know, once again, yeah. we don't want to put words in people's mouths, but you yeah, can yeah, tell, yeah. you can tell, like Joanne Whaley is in that doc in the present day, and obviously they have children together, so that's part of it. But it seems like there's a love there. Like I don't think, yeah. like I don't think Val Kilmer is one of these guys who's like burning bridges everywhere he goes, like this absolute piece of shit. Like I think he's a sweet guy. It really does. Yes. For any of the 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 editing and the the rewriting that comes with re telling your own story of course that's part of it it does seem and in the, its most and the earnest sympathy, moments right for the I, you for know. for what he's dealing with yeah, yeah. In, in, in in its most earnest moments it does seem like he's one of these guys who is sweet and strange and yes. intense and it's like yeah maybe you don't want to be married to him but like Right. you'll be his friend type of thing you know what i mean like, like there's there's love there but you're like yeah this can't be my partner who i live with all the time yeah, you know yeah. yeah so and so i because with the doors to your point and they mentioned like that that broke the marriage right like joy Whaley just basically was like look if you're gonna be jim morrison every day and then you're gonna be <laughs> i'm not married to jim morrison a native american <laughs> cop every day and then you're gonna be you know right. like i can't do it i can't do that and it's like who would blame her you know what i mean yeah i, I get it you know you're yeah. raising kids it's like hard right anyway so at first sight cost 60 million which is a god 99 different time huh and then it makes that's insane that's yeah. an insane amount people of money for paid. this movie katie people were getting <laughs> people were all right getting as long paid. as it was a paycheck because it's not on the screen one of my favorite stories <laughs> i ever heard is we had an old friend uh who worked on everything back in the day it, i think it was the 90s or maybe it was probably the 90s when like people were still doing 
all the drugs. Um, she was supposed to scout a, 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 an establishment, I'll just say, for a commercial. And in the haze of everything, she's, <laughs> she scouted the wrong estab- like chain establishment that was like <laughs> near the other one. And the director came on like the day before to like do the final scout and everybody was so fucked up on shit that like she just like lied and made it seem like it was somebody else's mistake and just like lied her way through it and they just filmed the thing at the wrong mcdonald's and got all the permissions (laughs) and nobody ever knew and it was just everybody was so fucked up and coked out or whatever they just filmed the thing and i always think about that story (laughs) where i'm like that shit did happen like we live in a different time now where it's like, I'm not saying any of this happened on at first sight, but I'm just saying like when you think about the old days where it was like, they probably Val and Mira probably got really paid for this man. The locations oh, yeah. probably got really right. paid. Like they really yeah. shot on the best film and like, oh yeah yeah yeah. It's just a I different mean, I, type of deal. I worked in film publicity in New York uh, pre recession, like yeah. 2005 to 2008, and. They just threw money at problems. And like, I was like an assistant, a temp. They were, I was taking car service everywhere. I was staying in nice hotels because they wanted me to be like closer to the junket. I mean, it was insane the way they would throw money at problems. And also like it, we have an episode of Miami Nice with Colin um, Farrell's assistant. Oh, great. That movie also shot in 2005 2006 and like the way he talks about how they were just like throwing money i mean pre-recession right pre-2008 global financial crisis everybody's (laughs) got to listen to that i love that it's insane Um, yeah but yeah the way people were throwing money around pre-2008 especially in the film industry was crazy yeah and this is a good like this is 99 and it's just a good example of like yeah you're katie that reaction to 60 million is totally right you go like wait this like at first sight in 2023 is a Netflix <laughs> and then I'm not, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it's a Netflix yeah. $8 million movie. It's like Nina Dobrev and like <laughs> yes. some dude who I don't even know who he is. And like uh, my, my, my brother who's 10 years younger than me is going to be like, yeah, oh, no, some, he's some the guy dude, from euphoria. And I'm like, yeah, oh, some dude cool. with like some know. kind like, of like a combo name, like Braden. Or something, yeah. you know, like, so it's gonna be like a, yeah. a member of the like glee b team right 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 right, right. <laughs> you know like someone who was on glee but like after all of the main stars right. graduated not from Michelle, not all <laughs> yeah great. so um, yeah man after yeah. sight not a hit and kind of like i said kind of kind of you're seeing the beginning of like okay maybe we're done with val because then you kind of get like it would also be set at Christmas. We have to just say it would be a Christmas movie. Oh, oh yeah. A million. Yeah. And that, percent. I will say, I would appreciate, that would be <laughs> yeah. an update I would approve. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, he, so he's in Pollock, but he's got like, it's like a, not a cameo, but it's like, it's like a two scene role, I think, at Pollock. And then he is a lead in Red Planet, which is kind of a famously tumultuous scenario. He, he, him and Tom Sizemore get any physical fight on set, right? They, they kind of really <laughs> oh, go at it. The movie, uh, heat reunion, right? right. Heat, heat reunion. <laughs> Red Planet does not do that well. Obviously, that's the other Mars movie. People was this when Sizemore was like heavy into meth, probably. I think well, this is for him. Pre- the action is the juice. So <laughs> you know, lest we ever forget. Um, but yeah, two thousand. Carrie Ann Moss, Tom Sizemore, Val Kilmer. Find me a more two thousand cast than. <laughs> 
Carrie uh, Moss, Tom Sizemore, Val Kilmer. This is um, weird. That's weird. And Terrence Stamp. I've seen. Yep. I've seen that movie. Like, it's one of those like old. Fun sc- fact: Terrence Stamp plays the Red Planet in that movie. He's the. He, <laughs> is, he is, is Mars. He's the. He titular. is Mars. Yeah. He is. He, <laughs> he is Barsoom. <laughs> in, uh, in, Throwing it back to our Taylor Kitchen. Young episode. Simon um, Baker's in it. Benjamin also Bratt. Benjamin Bratt. I yep. mean, that's another extremely yeah. two thousand casting choice. Another very handsome man. Very like handsome. Just, yeah, very handsome man. Um, and yeah. so, but so, but so, Red Planet. I, I'm going to say is the last big studio movie that he leads because then what happens is he does still lead movies, but you get stuff not unlike our next movie, The Salton Sea, mm. which is directed by DJ Caruso. It's his directorial debut now dj cruz had been in the industry a long time he was a second unit director he had directed non uh non-features right music videos what have you like a lot of people in the 90s right it was like a kind of the fincher way into movies right like you know the mark romantic way into movies right michael bay these other things michael bay obviously pretty famously michael bay um I always love reminding people that Michael Bay has did direct one of the greatest commercials ever made. The God Milk commercial. It's great. The, the God Milk commercial. Yeah. The Aaron Burr God Milk commercial is one of the best commercials ever made. I I won't hear it. It's like he, a won, an, he won an award for it. Yeah. He I'm just saying. It's like yeah. we we were taught that commercial in film class. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was shown that commercial in film class as like, hey, this is how you make something in 30 seconds. And they were right. It's great. Anyway. Yeah. So um the Salt and Sea. Um, Connor, do you want to just do a sure. quick? It's kind of a neo noir thing. It's like it's it's in the it's in the world of um, Kill Me Again, but with like a post Tarantino. Yeah, thing it's happening. like if mm-hmm. it's like if Spun was better. Is is oh, kind God, of is kind of this movie? Katie, have you seen Spun? What if we got? I don't spun? think I've seen yeah. Spun, but Katie, uh, you have blocked it spun? out. <laughs> I remember Katie, it. Did I like? Spun. Did I see it? Just kind it? of one of those like acid. Mickey Rourke is like meth- the big bad drug dealer. Yeah, like, was like, oh god, Jonas Ackerlund. Yeah. Um, did I see this? It's like I. It's like one of those things where I'm like, did I see this or did, did, have I just I blocked it out? Yeah. Katie, if you're looking at, do you get a little Bijou on that? You get a little Bijou Phillips in that or no? In is spun? that a Bijou? In is spun? she in it? Oh, I, don't I don't know. I'm asking. Oh. I'll look at it. I don't think she's in it. It's uh, Mina Suvari, Brittany Murphy, China Chow. Playing a character called Escort. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to get into some 2002 action because I have some things to say about Salt and Sea. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, it's, um, it, you know, it's funny because of this movie, I kept, uh, and I feel like I do this all the time. I, can I just wait? Can I, I'm sorry, the opening of Salt and Sea, and I look, it's an informative movie for me, so I'm going to kind of defend it. But that opening where he's playing the trumpet and the fire's going, I literally almost like was like, man, am I like a stupid person? I literally was like, I was like, oh, man, I love this movie. And he's like playing the trombone and this shit. I was like, maybe this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I was like, Jesus Christ. The two images I had burned in my brain from this movie were that. Where Val Kilmer yeah. playing the trumpet in the fire, which oh. I get as an image because it's like I get, it is a good image. I get yes. if you're making a neo noir and you want the cold neo noir open, not the worst thing in the world on paper. Totally get it, right? And you get you get what's right. you get Val Kilmer narrating. So basically, quick plot. Um, 
Kilmer is, we open on Kilmer, he's playing the trumpet, everything's burning down. It's one of those, you know, three weeks earlier type movies, right? Um, yeah, like a media res. Yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and he plays, uh, what is his name? Actually, I don't know. Danny Parker. Danny, Danny Parker. Allen, yeah, sorry, sorry. Danny <laughs> Parker slash Tom Van Allen. And is he, he Judas Iscariot he, or is he, he an avenging angel? He, he, opens, he opens with like a Jim Morrison light uh, bit of poetry. <laughs> kind of describing himself <laughs> oh um, man <laughs> and and essentially we're thrown into his life that he's kind of living with uh peter he's Sarsgaard. a meth head yeah, he's a meth head <laughs> he's a he's, speed freak yeah, yeah he's, he's like, a speed yeah. freak yeah. and, and he's yeah. he's sort of in cahoots with peter Sarsgaard and adam goldberg and whatever they're they're essentially drug addicts who are always trying to kind of Continuous, yeah, continuously make yeah. scores to 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 keep just feeding their habits and whatnot. But there's more to him than that, if you could believe. Uh, and so you get kind of this as the as the movie develops. It's basically him working as a criminal informant with two cops who like may or may not be kind of shady and basically finds himself doing a deal with a like meth kingpin uh, played <laughs> by Vincent D'Onofrio who goes by the name Pooh Bear and yep. uh, has no he has no nose and because he's done <laughs> and look, famously if you know D'Onofrio he really underplays it yeah, yeah of course <laughs> of course it's Vincent D'Onofrio in the Vincent D'Onofrio role um, has anybody ever said to Vincent has anybody and I look I like D'Onofrio in this movie has anybody ever said to D'Onofrio hey Vince a little less on this one. Yeah, I, you know it's funny. We, we cut, cut. Speaking events. of, well, let's do a safety. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit less. There's a whole, there is a whole alternate cut of Vincent D'Onofrio just being normal. <laughs> and they just, I just did, like love they just the didn't idea use, of like they just didn't go like DJ Crusoe like on his first movie going up yeah. to D'Onofrio was like, hey, so just. You're, you're great gonna, stuff. Great yeah. stuff. You're gonna um, play. Just... Uh, you're gonna play it like this the whole time. I just want to. Okay. 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 Like, was something that can only be described as like if the lead singer of Smash Mouth was a meth kingpin. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know like it's if true. Uncle, yeah. Crack, yeah. Uncle Cracker sold speed. Yeah. And you're like, uh, I mean, okay, okay. also he and and also you know he's flashing back to his dead wife yes dead of, course, of course of yes. course there's a dead wife the, the um, inciting incident as it were yeah. and and you get pieces of that as it goes he then also is kind of like floating in and out of the lives of the people around him one of them is deborah Kara unger who you would know from like the game um like her like her yeah, yeah yeah she's good um and you get like a lot of little character actors popping up in this like that. Like the you get, cast is so yeah, good. You get, you get Luis Guzman yeah, popping Wong, up for a second. Luis Guzman. BD Wong yeah. is good as well. And Danny Trejo. Lapaglia. Yeah. I yeah. love him so much. Trejo pops up. You get also, another heat reunion. Wild. Um, yeah, Trejo. Okay, also we have to talk about the other cop, Doug Hutchison. Mm -hmm. Yes. Famously, we know him from marrying Courtney Stodden when she was 16. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, no, remember I, that? I remember did, that? I'm, now, I'm look, now I'm looking at it. Yes. I'll, Hang I'll, on, let's do a little quick. They met little... when Stodden attended an acting class taught by Hutchison. Yikes! All right. Yes, it's so literally in the like first. I love oh wait, Katie, wait, it's the I'm first thing this in his, is in his personal Katie, life. This is interesting. I'm reading their relationship drew controversy and criticism. Huh? 
Interesting. Yeah, it oh. did. It did. No, that's it's insane. so funny. For some reason, his face, he has a very distinctive face. And I remember him. He plays memorably uh, a character in Punisher Warzone, which I mm. love mm-hmm. so much. Right, he plays right, right, Dominic right. West's brother in that. And um, but something like as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's Doug Hutchison. He married Courtney Stodden when he was 16 <laughs> years old. And it's like because I was really watching a lot of in the um, uh, in 2011, I was kind of really tapped into like the gossip blogs. So sure, sure. <laughs> as we all or as we all were, maybe. But I would that oh, was yeah. like a huge thing. And I just every time I see him now, I'm like. Mm, that well, he, that's the only thing I recognize him from. And he's essential in this movie. He's a very essential. He's got role. a very he's big role. Key to yes. The movie. Um, His name is on the poster, even. Um, yeah. But that's the movie, right? We don't need to yeah, do too it, much more. It's basically he's 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 got a double life. His wife was killed. The details become essential to what he's doing and yeah. what his avenging will, is, is intended to be. And um, you know, so. Now, I think I recommend when we were talking about, oh, maybe we'll do this B side, maybe we'll do that B side. I think I said, like, oh, I like the Salt and Sea. That would be a good one. It's a very B sidey movie, which is mm-hmm. true. Now, I will, now I've seen it more than uh, a few times, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And certainly when I first saw the Salt and Sea, probably not, probably in like 03, 04, it was a very, it was the very right time. Mm-hmm. For me to see the Salton Sea, because I would have been 15, right? right? So if you think about it, like I, I liked the Tarantino movies I'd seen. I probably liked Suicide Kings. I probably sure. liked it's right. Pool Hall you Junkies. Could, yeah, oh, from, you I know, can listen. If I can, this is right up the alley of a 15 year old boy yeah, in 2003. 100, 100. <laughs> and, so, and this is my point. I and I do think DJ Caruso is a talented filmmaker. Um, and I think he does some. I think in the world of post Tarantino, we're going to make a lot of movies like this. Yeah. I do think the Salt and Sea is on the upper echelon of those types of movies. I do still believe that. Like, I think in the world of things to do in Denver when you're dead mm, and sure. pool hall junkies, like I mentioned, Suicide Kings, whatever, you know, fucking the Boondock Saints, my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Salt and Sea, I think, is better than those movies. I think there's there's interesting things. I think a lot of it has to do with Kilmer. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting performance. I think you're getting a, his full commitment which does a lot i think sarsgard is like really Sarsgaard Sarsgaard is really is good. great in the movie breaking in this movie yes. yeah <laughs> when he like he like loves val Kilmer. Yeah. Oh, it's like very, yeah. there's, there's their like great... final scene together or one of their final the, scenes together is quite lovely the, the one even just the quick exchange they have in the car because one of the one, i will say one of the fun things about the kilmer performance is that even before the movie starts to fully show its hand as to the double life and who he was. The way Kilmer plays it is that you're like, oh, this guy is like too smart for his own good. Like there's clearly something else going on because he's just like has more of a head on his shoulders than all these people he's surrounded by. Right. And there's a little bit in a car where they've just met Vincent D'Onofrio for the first time. Oh, the JFK. Yeah. yeah. And he goes and he goes, what does JFK stand for? And Val Kilmer is like John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And he just sort of says it matter of fact and whatever. And he says, and, he says, and they shot him. And yeah. he's like, yeah, because yeah. basically <laughs> Pooh Bear is reenacting the JFK assassination with, with pigeons, pigeons yeah. taped into a remote control yeah. car, which is like very of that era. I'm sure, just say. sure, sure. And it's, but <laughs> yeah. his, his then, 
the yeah. best part of that scene is then Peter Sarsgaard's follow up where he goes, "Hey, thanks for not laughing at me." Yes, and oh. it's yes. like oh, it's so sweet. It's I know, so and it really sweet. does give some insight into his backstory or whatever. And then also when he reveals that he has gotten a very bad tattoo of <laughs> yeah. Danny Parker's yeah. face. Oh my god! Uh, and he sells it fully. He's yeah. like, "Look, I got a tattoo of you," and you're like. Oh, buddy. Yeah. That and thing this is, is right. Rough. I mean, this is like Sarsgaard popping off because this is around the same time Shattered Glass comes out. Sure. And Sarsgaard is one of the best parts of that movie, the Billy Ray uh, uh, Shattered Glass movie, which is, you know, about Stephen Glass and the New Republic and all that. And like, Sarsgaard really makes his career in, in these moments. And then obviously, you know, makes, you know, he's he, Peter Sarsgaard, you know, he's Peter Sarsgaard, you know, very reliable kind of, he, he's rarely bad, right, is what you'd say right. about somebody yeah. like him. But, um, I just have to say, I had never seen Salton Sea, yeah. and I thought it was something, I thought it was going to be something totally different. Like, I thought what it was, like, think? kind of going to be, like, an indie drama sure. maybe set in the Salton Sea. Right. Um, and so I was really surprised at what it ended up being. And I think this movie's pretty bad. I'm so sorry. No, no, no you're fine. Totally no, as watching it in 2022, 20 years later, I'm like, this thing does not hold up. But it's so fascinating. I, I, I think yeah. that it, so here's here's the thing. I think I basically agree with you. And so right. my this is what I would say, and this is me and Corey speaking of, we joke about this. Like when I rate things, right? Because I Salt and Seas has a very high rating on my letterbox, right? Mm-hmm. My thing is like, it was important for me when I right. watched it. Right. So right. I, I, if I'm being honest, and I like to think I am, I'm like, you know what? I see the flaws now, 20 years later, but it doesn't mean less to me. So it's like right. the rating has to even partly hold because, like. I saw it at the right time, right? You no, know, so and, to your point, like, everybody has that movie yeah. or the, several of those movies yeah. where it's like, I saw this at a certain age and it reminds me of that. And like, that's like, I like, that's how I feel about Batman forever. Like a lot of people think Batman forever is bad. I, I can't see the flaws because it was so formative for sure. me. Sure. Yeah. But it is but, funny when someone who's like never seen your like childhood favorite movie is like, actually, this is bad. Right. Right. I know. And you're like, what? And you're like, no, it's not yeah. because it reminds me of who I was at that age. And like, it was really important. And like, and I totally give that to you. I totally give that to you. But it was but I think, hilarious watching it for the first time. I know, like I this know. week. And I think it's, it's one of these things where it's like, um, it's so of the moment where you're like, oh, my God, like. Because it didn't get bad reviews either. Like, if you go back and you read its notices, like, it wasn't a rave, but, like, I think people were like, oh, this is an interesting debut. Val Kilmer's doing some good work here. Like, yeah. it's an energetic, you know, he's, piece oh, of totally, he's the reason to watch. He and Peter yeah, Sarsgaard, he's, I would say, he's really the good. to watch the movie. Yeah. I actually think all the dumbass, like, trumpet playing is the best part of the movie. Well, because that's the shit <laughs> yeah. that, this is my take on it, is, like, if and I I know this feels lame to do because you're just whatever you're rewriting it or whatever. But like if this is fucking directed by John Dahl, like, yeah. right, right. well, it's, yeah, right. you know, whatever. It's like way because it, it's like you because the the. um Yeah. To your point, Katie, like the trumpet playing stuff, that's like the good stuff because that's the neo-noir stuff. And then 
the Vincent D'Onofrio of it all and the and like the way some scenes are edited and like stylized and whatever. Like he doesn't have a nose, Connor. <laughs> that's the, that, his name's Pooh Bear. Why do they call him Pooh? Like what the fuck ever? Like all that stuff. That's the that's the sort of whatever Tarantino ranch dressing that they're trying to put on fucking yeah, everything, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the stuff that ruins it because if it's just like a more weirdly like if the movie is more basic and straight down the middle it's probably way yes better. like yeah like yeah. all the neo-noir stuff the flashbacks like all that stuff like if it's it a had great been directed title by... for a neo-noir like it's yeah right but like the it feels okay so I, like god bless dj caruso i don't know how i feel about dj sure. caruso yeah. at this stage in the game Certainly love disturbia yeah love disturbia i think disturbia is his like he's doing actually fun interesting things in disturbia like yeah but it's been yeah. the rest of the career has been all over the place i'm only saying yeah. this because i did have to review redeeming love his christian movie about the gold rush child prostitute. Right. uh don't recommend that one but um so he's kind of all over the place but like 100%, this yeah. is this movie is like I, so i was looking up dj crusoe and it's like he's just like this kind of you know like i i was like of course this is this guy's version of like edgy train right. spotting like drug material. I'm like this guy's so straight laced. He like wouldn't right. know. <laughs> like, but it's like oh my yeah. god, we're like in the flop house with Shalom Harlow doing drugs and like we have faux hawks and like shitty tattoos and like it just feels so contrived the whole like methy drug. But I'm sure in twenty in two thousand two it felt very edgy and cool. I'm I know that I would have thought this was edgy and cool in two thousand two, but like. Watching it now, I was like, there, there's so much like casual, uncriticized misogyny like throughout oh, the yeah. whole movie. I know that like with just totally flew in those days. And like, I'm not criticizing anybody who like didn't call it out. I'm sure I wouldn't have called it out at that time. But like watching it now, you're like, oh brother. And then the <laughs> sure. scene where Adam, the whole fake Tarantino thing, where Adam Goldberg's like fake heist. Oh god. That they like to uh, start talking about. Stuff, I know. <laughs> I'm like, this is so corny. Like they should yeah. have just cut this out. Like what? It, it's not in line with any of the rest of the like you, tone of Katie, the film. You know that was the <laughs> shit he liked the most, though. That's that's I know, the pro like, that's the problem. Is like you can tell. You know that's the shit he you liked can the most. Tell where it's like the 70s bubble font, and it's like whatever his character's name is. It's like his heist, and then yeah. I'm like, what this has nothing yeah. to do with like the Pooh Bear situation with the ex the dead wife situation the corrupt cop situation the neighbor who has the abusive boyfriend situation right. like there's a lot going on um but it was like oh we want to do this like funky 70s weird speculative heist well, the Glenn, thing the, honestly the scene rewatching that was the heart the Glenn Plummer scene where he's like the wife is under the Battress. Oh, that's where yeah, I was yeah. like, yes. oh, this is yeah. I mean, it's distasteful, right? Because it's yeah. like it's a it's a joke in the scene that she's right. under the like it's not even it's like, okay, well, this you know, like the bow, the 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 bow and arrow or whatever the, the harpoon you know, gun, yeah. The yeah, harpoon yeah. gun. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. And like the punchline of it going through the door, I'm fine with that. But like her just like being under the that rewatching it i was like oh no if they even no, had a no, couple no. lines or something where they kind of comment on it it's like they just don't comment on it they don't even yeah. they don't even like it's funny they don't even give whoever that actress is yeah. an, enough of a moment where you could even comically like 
laugh at her being under the mattress where like maybe she's fucking tweaked out too and she's like right being, like maybe it's she's her. like trying to kill him with the harpoon gun and he th- stuffs her under the mattress like yeah I, where you whatever i can i can see how that you can get away with it with bit. a couple tweaks right 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 yeah yeah, but it's yeah, bad, it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's like such a good cast, and Peter Sarsgaard's great, and like I love Lapaglia and and in anything, I love that his character's last name is Garcetti because that's like our fail son mayor, and his dad yeah. was the DA yeah. or the prosecutor or whatever. And I'm just like, wait, is he actually supposed to be Garcetti? And then it's just like, no, it's just his name. I'm like, they're obviously making a little reference there, but. There's like a lot of really interesting stuff. I think it's just such a fascinating product of its time that yeah. I was like happy to watch it because I'm like, oh my God, like this is such an artifact. It was like a cultural artifact. Definitely. Well, and Caruso, <laughs> to your point, made a career of kind of doing versions of other better things. Cause like taking lives is kind of like a seven esque thing that's w- w- way kind of way more positive pulls its punches right if that makes sense like taking mm-hmm. lives and then yeah two for the money is there's some interesting ideas in there and pacino i actually think al pacino is giving a pretty interesting performance but like it's kind of like a wall street sports gambling thing that pulls its punches and then disturb is probably his most successful movie but then like eagle eye is basically like a north by northwest thing that doesn't really work with Michelle Monaghan and uh, yeah, right. DJ Caruso had like, that run where he was like, maybe I'm Alfred Hitchcock, and you're like a little bit, <laughs> a, li- a little bit, a little bit, and then like, I, and then it yeah. kind of went downhill from there. To your yeah. point, but yeah. I do have to say, my favorite DJ Caruso movie is Triple X or Return. I was Xander waiting Cage. for someone. To I do like that. I do. I do it's like that. So I do like good, that yeah. and I don't know if it's because of him or is because of Vin, but. He, you know, he's clearly like a guy that you can like bring in and he'll like get the job done, well, but yeah, he doesn't really have his own. DJ, why did they hire Caruso for Fast, for Fast X? Ten, for yeah, God's yeah, sake. Sure. Yes, I was like, that would have actually yeah. been a better choice. I wanted the Bad Boys for Life guys. That was my vote. Sure, they were I think good. They're busy. They basically I think they're busy. Made bad they're Boys for Fast and Furious yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway, Salt and Sea, I'm really glad I watched it because I think it say, was like an important. I just want to say I changed my letterbox frame to three <laughs> oh, stars. Oh no, you, you didn't coward. have to. You I had to. No, coward. no, no, no. This is honest discussion. Okay. <laughs> this is how it works. Okay. It's honest discussion. Okay. We all made good points. Uh, it was five stars. It's now four and a half. No, it was never. Katie was never five. <laughs> Don't you say that. It was never five. It maybe at some point was five, but it was not recently five. Oh my God. Um, no, three, I, no look, shame. No shame. Still, it's just alludes to the positivity i still find <laughs> yeah. but um um but i was so fascinated by it i was like really compelled is. by it it was a fascinating movie and it, it has a great cast and it was really um fun to watch now, for that reason let me just say this it's kind of similarly i'll just say because our last movie is mind hunters but like we said he's not in a lot of it i would just say Similarly to the Salt and Sea, I will say Wonderland, which is mm. the next year, mm-hmm. kind of interesting, not great, but it's he plays John Holmes, right? Who famous uh, adult film actor in the seventies? Yeah, he um, it was a real person, obviously. And John Holmes was known for having a very large penis. Yeah. Um, it's he that John Holmes is referenced in, I think, uh, uh, speaking of Tarantino, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Right. So he's one of these guys, James Cox directed the movie who was kind of a, that's not his real name. Is it? 
directing yeah, a John, directing a John Holmes movie. It it's is what it C- is. It's C O X. C O X. He was he was kind of a film school prodigy guy. He made a short called Atomic Tabasco, which is pretty interesting. Like this was his big kind of movie. Underperformed. You got Val Kilmer, Kate Bosworth, Lisa Kudrow. Dylan McDermott, Carrie Fisher, like it's a sack cast, not unlike Salt and Sea. It's basically kind of, um, it's a an account of the Wonderland murders that happened in 1981, and it kind of gives you James Cox's version of what might have happened. You know, that's kind of what the movie's about. I'll just say that it's an interesting movie. It's not not very successful, but that comes out around the same time. And then you get, and then you, I think, get, and we were talking about this earlier, I think you kind of get what maybe Kilmer was always kind of angling towards, which is he becomes character actor Kilmer, right? He's he's, he's in, he kind of makes his first barely released straight to DVD thing with Blind Horizon, but he's in like the Bob Dylan movie, Mastin Anonymous. He's the lead in the Mammoth movie Spartan, which I will say I do love Spartan. It's a good movie. I think Spartan, I think and he's, Spartan's a and great he's movie. good. He's good in it. But he's like, um, he's in stateside, literally doing a Marlin and Brando impersonation as a drill sergeant. He's in Alexander, which is kind of the famous. We talked about it a little bit on, on our Colin the Farrell. Colin Farrell, Miami Nice episode. Mm-hmm. He plays Colin Farrell's, uh, he plays King Philip of Macedon, who's alexander's father Colin Farrell's father insane performance he's got the one eye it's yeah. crazy and then you're kind of this is this moment where Mindhunters is around the same time rennie harlan movie comes out internationally in 2004 and gets released in the u.s in 2005 it's literally and then there were none for fbi agents in training and he's the the training wrangler right and it's a bunch of train they're not they're agents but they're getting right it's like they're yeah. getting well they're it's mi- like a they're test for hunters. special it's, assignment it's, it's, right it's they're, they're doing the the training for to be profilers yeah profile yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. right so they all get <laughs> sent to an island <laughs> where they're gonna try to pass the profiling test this and- is my favorite genre um uh death game <laughs> yeah, on, it's, on an island. it's kind of a foolproof thing right doesn't like, it doesn't it I'll feel always watch weird it, it yeah. feels weird to me that this movie was not based on a video game i like <laughs> well, and that's kind yeah. of and i i will admit this movie's fun by the way so like it's fun I, movie. Fun so movie. like fun movie. it's not entirely a dig it just yeah. feels i don't know it feels like it came out at the time for that it feels like I don't know. It feels very weird to me. Me and my, my brother was in town on. when we watched this movie. And my brother, <laughs> as I said, he's 10 years younger than me. And we were doing this thing where like, <laughs> by the end of this movie, when the kills are, because like when Christian Slater gets killed, spoiler, spoilers, but it on, happens early. Very it's early on. Yeah. Very early on. Yeah. It is so insane. You're like, it's so it's good. insane. It's so you go, good. <laughs> me and my brother were like, because I had seen the movie, but I totally forgot. So we're watching uh, it. And that kill happens. And I'm like, oh. Here we go. You're like, right. oh, it's one of these movies. Yeah, it's right? like yeah, it's, it's like Saw by way or Agatha Christie by way of Jigsaw. Like that's what it is. It's like, and so by yeah, the end, like you're Romany Malco in the Forty Year Old Virgin. You're like, get out the room. You're like yeah. yelling at the screen. You're like <laughs> cheering on the like movie, yeah, which yeah, is very yeah. exciting. It's very yeah, fun. It's, it, I had a blast watching this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like he's not in it enough, but he really he eats it up. 
literally. Oh, he, oh, he, oh, he eats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he has a meal. I, yeah. I wish he was kind of, I will say the movie is both uh, it, it's kind of funny. It's kind it's pretty good about that casting a little bit because Slater and Kilmer both being there and both being even if you like look at the poster being like kind of in the background like you automatically it it plays with that thing of when somebody shows up in a movie who's like maybe too prominent for the movie or like oh well they must be the killer right and and it doesn't really do that necessarily so like it's almost like a janet lee and psycho thing yeah a little yeah kind of like we're gonna kill off christian slater and then now you're just like stuck with these other people and you get it and you get a good series of like fun mousetrappy saw you know, uh, murders or whatever. It also, yeah, it reminded me of Saw, but also um, Escape Room. Have you guys seen the Escape yeah, Room uh-huh. movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. So fun. Yeah. I will watch 10 more of them. I don't give a shit. I want to see people escape murder room. Um, now, the lead has of the a- movie is Catherine Morris. Right. Yes. Where's she Cold, cold, cold cases. Case. Cold cases. Cold cases, yeah. Catherine she, Morris. She didn't do like a ton of movies though, right? Like, well, the, she's no. in Minority Report. That's the only other right. one I could think of. She though. is good. Yeah. She is good. She's very good. I'd like to speak with my husband with the eye. Yeah. Iconic. Great. Um, yeah, also, LL Cool J. Much. I mean, this is, I sort yeah. of pushed for this movie when we were like trying to do the really challenging uh with widowing down of what we were going to talk about but i was like mm, rennie harlan ll cool j fbi right. profiling it's a deep, it's i was a like blue sea reunion with rennie and ll like, i was like yeah. i have to see yes, this right. <laughs> and it was so fun i'm no, so glad i watched it 100 percent. you get your john you get your johnny lee miller johnny lee miller doing a really bad southern accent and then i was like oh the only reason he's doing a southern accent is because there's a, another guy with a british accent right. so they, they were probably the like you character. can't have a british accent right. too so then he does this <laughs> shitty southern accent and um what's that guy there's a guy um the other like main kind of asshole guy who is oh, really good what's his eo yeah he was i thought he was really good oh and clifton collins jr yeah who's i mean who's fun clifton yeah He's so we good. Love, we, we love, love we love a Clifton. Yeah. Um, but Ladies Love Cool James is great <laughs> in this movie. He's really, I, I actually, actually thought he, he was actually, really good. He actually is. Uh, that sounded like a joke, but in all seriousness, he's actually very good at this movie. I, I was a little, I was surprised. Cause like, you know, you, I was like, okay, here's the scene where he's got in his tank top doing his biceps. It's like, okay, ladies impressive, love. Impressive, okay, if ladies I'm being love. honest. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. He's yeah. doing like a thing where he has to like go on jungle gym bars. I mean, like it's pipes, but yeah. Um, I'm like, all right, that's why we, we hired LL Cool J, but then he has like some monologues at the end that I thought he, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. James yeah. going off. Well, and he, yeah. and he, and to your point earlier, uh, both your points earlier, he kind of plays the role. I think you think Christian Slater yes. or Val Kilmer yeah, is going to play. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact yes. that he slips into it well yeah. is a credit to ladies love cool James because yeah. <laughs> I call him by his Christian name. I call him yes, by his Christian name. Thank you for getting the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I just, I have to say it, but I think um, it's a credit to him. And I think, and isn't it funny now that I'm just saying it, that we have lady call case and sir ncis whatever <laughs> yeah. yes in the same one 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 is this naval was, crimes other is cold cases this was their audition right yeah, not, <laughs> rather, not, never the twain shall meet <laughs> yeah. except for mine hunters right um 
But just a fun movie. Yeah, it's a, yeah. there's no the plot is literally they start actually dying and they have to figure out who's doing it. I mean that yeah, you know, it's the right. Christian Slater murder is insane because he gets Iconic. frozen to death, yep. but like his body shatters into a it, bunch of pieces. I will say if I can if I can lob a criticism, it would be Uh-oh. that I don't think the movie ever really gets like, that follows again. that up. Like right. like everything else is fun and um I After do that, think you're like the arrow. Do boring. Think, right. Like you have Patricia Velasquez, who like she has the thing the with the cigarette, cigarette thing, which is good. which is a cool fun death. And the whole you mentioned the the ladies love cool James like climbing <laughs> on the pipes because the water is electrified. Like that whole sequence is fun. Um, it's just never at. There's something about I, the chemistry of uh, it yeah. being Christian Slater. Him being the first to go, it <laughs> happening literally via a mousetrap, like a Rube Goldberg right. device. A Rube Goldberg, yeah. That I that, do think the ending reminded me of the the equally insane ending of I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Where oh, it's like, yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> Deus Ex Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Equates to Deus Ex Ladies Love Cool James, where it's like, yes. It's like, but there's oh, like two yeah. Deus Exes yeah. right. where it's yeah. like, you're like, out. Like he's three dead, times and the then end. he's dead, yeah. and then oh, yeah. and then it's like, like they keep dead, getting up. His hat is like a shark's fin. And he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, but I, I but, think but I was so Mine Hunters was fun. Katie, it was just such a good recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thrilled. If we can combine recommendations, Salt and Sea ruined Katie's law year. And no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, Mindhunters was such a great um like even though as you said Kilmer's very supporting. He's only in a couple scenes. Very fun though. But he like he's like I'm a wacky detective or no yeah, what, right. like, he's like, he's like, I'm like an he's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. I'm eating cake. Yeah. Yeah. In <laughs> right. for some reason. Right. It's and like the so Brad Pitt school the of first, acting. The first 20 <laughs> minutes they do the thing of like Ben Stiller and Tropic Thunder when they're like, oh I see what they're doing they're getting a little crazy i can play that game too and you're like just because like they think you know val kilmer's so eccentric it's like this is part and of his plan it, and it's kind of it's funny it's we fun. didn't mention yeah. like, so the movie opens with slater and um and Catherine morris yeah. on and you don't you know you think it's a real thing but it's it's a training exercise but it's like an elaborate training exercise with yes. like dead cats and shit it feels like very um, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. It's in, it's insane. And yeah. they, I think this is where the video game thing came in for me too because I got like Resident Evil vibes or so, like, I don't know. It had like that kind of Well, we should say, if, look, speaking of the Salt and Sea and how it feels very much of its time, similarly, yes. Mindhunters. The whole movie's blue. Like that. Look, like, in, <laughs> look in a very Rennie Harlan way. Like yeah, Rennie yeah. Harlan is a workman director and that's that's a compliment as much as anything else where it's like, mm-hmm. so in our Taylor Kitsch almost famous episode, we talk about the covenant, which Rennie Harlan directed. And we say that he, Rennie Harlan's good at making the, mo- the, making the movie that he thinks you're going to want to watch. Right? So like with, the covenant he's making a movie for the people that the studio thinks are going to want to watch the covenant and i think with mindhunters it's very similar like he's going to give you what you want and i think he's kind of mimicking the style of the time which is that kind of paul w s anderson sure yeah, kind yeah. of hyper 
kind of hyper-edited music video-esque thing. It, it's the thing I like to describe as yeah. like the Dark Castle uh, house style. You yeah, know, a like little bit. Gothica, a little bit. like like the, all yeah. those movies, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. all had this kind of like a little bit. sheen yeah, to them. Yeah. yeah, House on Haunted Hill, yep. like... You know, we're going to do things fast. We're going to do things dirty, but it's it's going to be shiny, too. And yeah. There's so it, some yeah. um, POV or there's some camera work in this that I found deeply upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Not like upsetting. I was just like, oh, what the hell? Like there's like it's like the camera's moving around it's circling around her. It's going crazy. It's this. It's that. It's cutting crazy. And I'm like, yeah. let's settle down, guys. Let's settle down, Ren. <laughs> but you, it's, Reddy, uh... Reddy was so excited to put the camera behind a clock face. He was like, this yes. is going to be the fucking dopest shot in the movie. Also, like, what was the conversation about the Christian Slater shower scene? Like, oh God. I could just picture, I I mean... could picture Christian being like, Rennie, I worked real hard on my ass. You can see my ass, right? Make sure we can see my ass. I like, mean, I didn't know who that was because no, I was like, I, someone same, has same. got. You're like, you're like, that's a dude who's 20 years younger than Christian Slater, right? You're like, was no. that a body double? Because I was Must like, this been, right? guy's got I don't think cakes. it is, though, because I, I, I watched it earlier today. This guy's so got I, hands. I think, I, hands. I think like, the. I Christian think, Slater. Yeah, I, th I don't think it is. Christian. I think the way the shot Pump works up the volume, is it please. is like it starts wide. <laughs> you see the Christian Slater butt and it pushes in and he turns around. Like, uh, at, yeah, you're basically right. after, no we're, clear, Total no body after double. we're clear, maybe it's waistline. a mask at it. Maybe it's yeah, a mask right, at it. Right, right, right. Could they, could you do more edits and Avid? You must be in a band. I mean, right? not, yeah, maybe that's where the budget went. I don't know. Um, yeah, for the one more edit. Yeah, yeah. Rennie's like, we got to spend the extra for the. <laughs> I do but, like uh, some yeah. of the POV shots. I thought some of the POV work was really good because it was that kind of misdirect, especially like the kind of Silence of the Lambs misdirect where you'd like see like a POV shot and then it'd be someone else going somewhere else. Right. And then, yeah, it feels super indebted to like Silence of the Lambs, to Seven, to it's trying to do all of these things that these other movies did. Um, so it does kind of scratch that itch a little bit, but it's just way wackier. I It's definitely, I would say big recommend for like, a uh like i remember when i saw the christian slater death scene i remembered that it played in a clip trivia round in videology trivia years ago and oh wow and it played like gangbusters you know and it, it led me to believe like a, a fucking alamo draft house screening of this movie would be so amazing fun. it would be so well, and good. i think and look i think this is perhaps too lofty but i think this is it, it it's good to talk about the sultan sea and mine hunters like kilmer aside right just as movies of the time it's an interesting point where the sultan sea has not aged well right and i think at the time it was well well reviewed enough as we said mine hunters obviously was not right it was very right. much like dismissed panned didn't make a whole lot of money and i think it speaks to time and cinema and art where like mine hunters is a well-made fun movie and like there's plenty of schlock but we all enjoyed it and i would kind of say if you're up for that level of like gore and quote unquote not everybody is and that's fine but like if you're up for that like who wouldn't enjoy it no right? it's, you so, know what it's, I mean? so it's like fun. kind of a very digestible plot yeah, yeah. very fun actors and I think 
that's what's interesting about revisiting movies 10 years on, 20 yeah. years on, is you kind of go like, oh, people didn't like this? And the only like, difference- why? You know what I mean? It's a little interesting to yeah. think about. Like, like Katie, that, you, you know? mentioned Escape Room, which I think is a great comp, because like, yeah. I think the only difference- Those movies like, are hits. Yeah, no, no, and yeah. I think if this movie comes out today- it wouldn't be the same movie because I think the difference would be it'd be like a little more winking, a little more knowing, yeah, a little yeah. a little less earnest. But they play it so straight, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would still it would be a it would be a thing that Blumhouse makes for six million dollars and then it makes <laughs> right. thirty five million dollars and it's a hit, right? Like, right is is what it would be. But um, and it is it does have a lot of like it, the, some of the crime scenes are so gory in that. Oh yeah, it would be a R rated. It for would sure. not be you know because the escape room movies are PG thirteen horror movies and I I think there's a place for PG thirteen horror movies for sure in the industry. But yeah, th- this is really gory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the Slater death is insane but even yeah. like so we only see kilmer for like maybe 10 oh, minutes in the oh, beginning of the movie Spo- but the little spoilers but when what, his yeah. it's not even kilmer yeah. or it it's like it's him like in a, a video but it's like whatever, the, yeah. when his character returns it's horrifying yeah. it's yeah, horrifying legit. Ugh. Legit. Uh, creepy to to the degree that like i thought it was going to be a bait and switch like i thought yes, it was going to be yes. some kind of a red herring because i was like that, it's like not really him. Yeah, yeah you're like, like that Kilmer <laughs> dummy hanging from the ceiling with hooks in its you know face. What? Well, I don't. I guess uh, I won't. Well, I guess we said he died, so yeah. this yeah. isn't a spoiler. But when me and my brother were watching it, to to the point you guys just made, I in my memory was like, "Oh, he's the killer, right?" And this is an elaborate thing to throw and you at off the or end, something. Yeah. You're gonna be like, "Oh, it was Val all along," but. And obviously we won't spoil who it is or whatever, but like I, I was convinced of that to the point where we got to the end. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the whole thing they did. I yeah. think yeah. what this movie does do really well, though, is that it does constantly like you never have any idea of who. Yeah, not it, really. It's pretty. Uh, that's, not that's really. That's kind of what I was saying with the Kilmer yeah. Slater thing. Like it's smart because I think in if it didn't do that. Well, well, perfect you know. example. I don't want to like overly spoil another movie, but speaking to DJ Caruso, Taking Lives yeah, right. is the exact yes, opposite right. thing. It's, the it's, minute Taking Lives starts, the minute it yeah. starts, you're like, why <laughs> is there's this somebody actor, in the movie? Yeah, you're like, why is this the actor in this role? Is in the movie? You're like, oh, why? And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. And that's like, how that's this how is Kil- why this actor would be yeah, in the movie. It's that's so how bad, Kilmer yeah. feels because his screen time is so short up top. Yes, like that's a good point. You're just like, oh, he's yeah, it's got to be him. And, you feel like he has to come back in some right, way. To the point where like, yeah, like we're talking about like even his death in the movie, you're like, this is not real, right? Like This is fake. Yeah, right. right. Also, um, like his performance is so outsized and he kind of looms large over the whole proceedings over the whole movie, of because yeah. they're all talking about him constantly right. because they're like, they he, he brought us here. Yeah, they know he organized it some way. So yeah. he's never. Right. F- so they keep being like, Harris, Harris, this yeah. has got to be Harris, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like also he's so memorable in his performance that. Like I kept being like, I can't wait for Val Kilmer to come back and like do some weird I stuff. That's I right. could have yeah, stood <laughs> for like, I would have liked if like there were some like pre-recorded introductions to like the phases of their training or whatever. Yeah. Pop. Like I don't know. I could have stood for you know a skosh more 
Well, they keep saying like, oh, his his methods are so untraditional. Right. And it's like, show us some untraditional methods. And is it, I mean, I imagine it might, part of it might have just been like Kilmer being like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm only going to give you like three days or something. Like, you know, yeah, that's I'm curious kind of, that's what like how like the negotiations bit. for this one went. Yeah. yeah. It's funny though, because Kilmer becomes good at this type of role, right? In this back half where like in Deja Vu, he plays Captain Exposition, but it's like, very good yeah um you know another tony scott movie where his whole role in deja vu a couple years after mindhunters Mm. is let me explain to you all the science fiction gobbledygook that's happening and because it's kilmer you you kind of buy it and you're entertained by it yeah and he's working with adam goldberg from salt and sea he's working with um elton henson and then obviously denzel washington and it all kind of plays well be- and in large part because of Kilmer. And then even in like Felon with mm. Stephen Dorff, which is the Rick Roman Wah movie, which is a very good direct-to-DVD movie, actually. He's like the mentor of Stephen Dorff, and he's very good, and he's like got a spiritual yeah. thing happening. And it's like he does those things really well in his career well, in and certain we should, spots. We haven't mentioned it, but Mindhunters is literally the B-side to the A-side that is – Kiss Kiss Bang Bang the same year. Yes. Which is like I would say, yeah, the characters seem very similar too. Yeah, and it's and it's him doing And that's obviously a top three Kilmer performance. It's it's incredible. It's so and this is, I mean, I guess as we're kind of, you know, starting to finish up, like this my thing, and the I think the great tragedy of Kilmer's career, obviously, other than like his personal health and all that but like the great tragedy i think of his career and like you were talking about before katie is that like he never really figured it out and the bummer is that he's really good at being a clown and he never wanted to be and that kind of sucks because it's lit for my money it's like his best mode he's like yeah so fucking funny and and it's why i think it's why like when kiss kiss bang came out it felt so refreshing because you're like, yeah, man, you're like fucking great. Like your his comedic timing is like impeccable. Mm-hmm. Like so many lines. I mean, th- literally every line he has a kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Is, like there are lines I think about, like as we're talking, oh, as you're talking yeah. that I left, like, Oh, Xanadu. Or he's like, he's like, Olivia Newton and, 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 <laughs> right, and Gene, right, and Gene right. Kelly. And then, and then Robert Downey Jr. is like, gay. Right. right, to, right. To, uh, to Michelle yeah. Colin, just like, him saying Colin Farrell wants too much money is yeah, like yeah. a thing <laughs> that is fucking burned into my brain. But also like, I feel oh, like even so like he good. even he's kind of playing this character in Mindhunters for laughs. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. With the eating the cake and like kind of being overly, you know, casual in this like really traumatic right. training simulation that opens the thing. But like he kind of is, I feel like it's a kind of a similar sort of sarcastic yeah, like uh, performance thing. Yeah. to um, what he's doing in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is obviously, you know, you guys have said it all. It's so amazing. Top three, probably. But yeah, it's like he doesn't quite get enough of those kiss, kiss, bang, bang type of roles, or maybe he doesn't want to do it again, or I don't know. And I was going to say, it's even about the quality of the material, too, because even with Spartan, which is a totally different performance, he's, you know, it's very mammoth-heavy, obviously, dialogue. And he, you know, you're anybody's mileage will vary on the mammoth of it all, but he reads and delivers mammoth so well. And you go like, wow, like him having a a very distinct voice behind him 
helps his performance right? almost, yeah. almost think, every time like almost like mm-hmm. any, and you, you think about Shane any, Black yeah right yeah. you think mm-hmm. about Shane yes. Black yeah. and then it's a shame where you get like you know the Saints and these movies that we mentioned which, which are not all bad we, we you know we like the Saint we like the Ghost in the Dark the ghost in the darkness but they're they're quite anonymous hollywood movies well, right and, and it's, it's like it's a, had he gotten yeah. a big one that hit yeah. where the voice behind him was a but bit that's clearer. even like maybe yeah. like i think salt and sea like the parts that i like about salt and sea that i find really interesting are the like i said like the trumpet playing moments but he's doing this voiceover this like yeah. heavy yes. noir voiceover right. i mean and he's it's got like, a lovely voice Right. Yeah, like, he's got a beautiful yeah, voice, yeah. and I'm like, I just want to kind of live in this weird dream world of his memories and his poetry and, yeah. and his, you know, mysterious uh, flashbacks. Like, I kind of found that's like totally entrancing, yeah. um, because it's, of his voice and the way he speaks. And like, I mean, maybe the content is fine, but you know, he's. And s- speaking of his voice, one of his better performances is The Prince of Egypt. Oh yeah, where he like, yeah. So, I mean, it really is such He's a good, great such movie. a good performance that every time yeah. I watch that movie rules, obviously. But like, it's a great to where like every time I watch it, he and Ray Fiennes are so good in that movie. I know it's that like, I'm kind of like, great I'm almost like I wish acting. this was like a live action movie. And I know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you get the Ridley Scott exodus of it all, where you'd run into that problem, Oof, which would be yeah. tough. And so I'm not saying I wish it was necessarily the exactly thing. The them, problem, their performances the problem are so Ridley, good. And Exodus is he didn't understand the economy. You can't give us gods and kings. <laughs> yeah, in this yeah. Economy, that's the problem. If you in, gods and kings, Ridley, we can no. only handle princes. That's it. We can only <laughs> yeah. handle yeah. a prince of Egypt. Gods and princes, uh, yeah. but gods and kings. No, Ridley, never no. both. Never both. <laughs> never both. Um, so yeah. So bringing it back to kind of how I introduced as we kind of wade into final vow thoughts, I would. He's just, I find him as I rewatch these movies. And even like, I didn't even mention the real McCoy, but another kind of a beast side from we the should, early we'll do a, We should do a Basinger 90s. episode. We'll do a Basinger, I'm yeah. sure. Russell mm-hmm. McCoy directed it. It's a very much a third lead type of performance. It feels very much like kind of a for the money job. But even still, it's a very charming performance. He is, I will say he is funny in the real McCoy, kind of in the way we're talking about, which I will say is one of the highlights of that kind of misbegotten movie where you're like, oh, can we just get a little bit more Val here? Like, I have no problem with mm-hmm. Kim Basinger, but the moments he like really sparkles the movie up. Like when he's in it, you're kind of like, oh, we're having no, fun now. We're having he, fun he now. He does that to so many movies though. Like when I, I rewatched yeah. Willow, that's literally, like he, I mean, aside from the obvious comps, like he's that movie's Han Solo. Sure. But but in the, in the same effect, right? Like you're, you watch A New Hope and Harrison Ford shows up and you are just like, what is happening to this movie, right? Yeah, and this like, got better by half. Yeah, you know, he, by three. Kilmer, mm-hmm. Kilmer's the same thing in Willow. Like, yeah. you're kind of just watching this whatever fantasy, like Lord of the Rings ripoff or whatever, <laughs> and and he just shows up, and you're like, yes, please, like it's great, right, right. And so that's yeah. the thing. I think he's he's immensely interesting, and I think you know when you talk about where he's at now, you know, in the doc, he kind of with some regret talks about basically having to make ends meet by you know signing tombstone posters and selling element all these things and and look there's certain there's a tragic nature to that for sure but i think he comes at it honestly i think he's aware of the fandom and i think he loves that people love tombstone and i think all that when it all comes out in the wash that's lovely. I mean, Tombstone would be a top five performance. It's quite sure. an iconic yeah. performance. Yeah. He's he's really good in it. 
he's got his moments of kind of comedy and you know that's one of his what kind of one of the more interesting characters he ever played doc holiday and like um um i think that's what i come away with like as beautiful as he was and we've said this in many different ways he just was interesting he was magnetic he was magnetic and you do wish he found like his kiss kiss bang bang two decades earlier yeah Mm-hmm. And, and maybe parlay that a bit like a Sean Penn who really for whatever you think about Sean Penn really made a career and carved a niche in Hollywood for, for the thing he did mm. and and Kilmer never really was able to do that really which is was certainly kind of a shame but what we have is great and you know right um, and like to that to your what we're saying we're sort of talking about how there's maybe like a missed opportunity and like obviously there's not really you know, even though he's still alive, like there's not really a chance for him to mm. ever again find the opportunity that we're talking about. But right. he's still an icon. Yeah. Despite yeah. the he- fact that he's sort of floundered in some ways and made weird choices and not quite hit all the time, like he's still such an icon. Yeah, it's so and true. that's that's just speaks to his presence and his just insane, you know, talent and like the way he's so riveting on screen. So it, it's it's a really interesting question and, and a really interesting career. And even to yeah. just yeah. to whatever, to bring it to present day. I mean, Katie, you and I were DMing about this and, yeah. you know, as of the, the airing of this episode, the world will have gotten to see Maverick. Like he's got, it's not really a spoiler. He's in the movie. He's got one scene in the movie, but it's so uh, fucking perfect. Like it's so yeah. it's, they give him, I don't want to spoil it too much or whatever, but he is just given so much like dignity and grace mm-hmm. in that scene. And it is like impeccable. I was so worried that like yeah. they were going to try and do like a, like a snowman esque like dubbing of his voice. And they, and they were maybe going to skirt around the fact that he can't talk, but they like lean into it head on and like he, his presence then allowing to like, give Cruz the room to probably deliver one of the best scenes he's delivered in a movie in a really long time. Like I felt like I was watching something fucking magic happen. And yeah, and it, and a it's lot of it really, speaks to just Kilmer being who he is. I, I like that they handled it the way that they did. And like, they have the kind of reverence for him yeah. that I think he deserves. Yeah, and it, it, like you said, it draws out a performance from Cruz that you would not, that I don't think you could accomplish it, otherwise. It felt like this crazy, me- it's like the most meta moment in the whole movie. Because one of the things that it got me thinking about while watching Kilmer's uh, movies is you look at this cr- tr- career trajectory and you forget that like on like the shadow that it's in is literally the run that Tom Cruise is having. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 And it's and it's mm. I feel like it can't be ignored. And it's sort of weird because the scene in Maverick almost feels like an on screen apology to <laughs> Val Kilmer. It's like insane. It's so fucking good. I, I'm i getting weepy just thinking about it. But, um, but, it's so but good. The, you know, an essential difference between a Cruz and a Kilmer is like I think Cruz was always up to play the game. I mean, sure. Cruz, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. as good of an actor as he is, and anybody, I don't even think maybe Cruz would deny this, but, 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 but when you read about Cruz and you hear people talk about Cruz, 
he was always a producer, right? Like right, he sure, was yeah, always yeah. very aware of his brand and how to maximize and monetize. And I really think Kilmer was always performance first. Yes. Probably, yes. To, probably to his career detriment. Hmm. And that's and he's not the a better actor. He, right. like, yeah, he's Tom Cruise is amazing movie star. He's probably my favorite movie star, sure. but I think yeah, yeah. Kilmer is the actor and Tom Cruise is the movie star. Yeah. So yeah. like Tom Cruise is not showing up on the set of Island of Dr. Moreau and saying, I don't want to play this part because I'm tired. Yeah. He's also not saying, I don't want to play Batman again because I'm sick of wearing this thing on my head. Right. Like, yeah. He's toughing it out. He's eating seeds and like not aging for 50 years and, 100%. you know, no, being the most hardworking person on set right. and like showing up and doing it harder than everyone else and like making it happen. And Kilmer's like, I'm a Juilliard guy. Yeah. yeah. What, I, not only like would Tom Cruise still play Batman again, he'd like work with the wardrobe department to find the most fucking like aerodynamic cowl or see like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's that exact. <laughs> yeah. It's like the exact opposite. But and right. look, and if you gave Cruise truth serum, I guarantee you he would admit <laughs> that Kilmer was the better actor. Right? Sure, absolutely. Sure. You know, yeah. it's, who, who would disagree with that? Yeah. I think that's obvious. Right. So yeah, it's yeah. Well, very well said. Well, this has been great. Kilmer, we do we stand, love you. We we stand love, a living we legend. It's yeah, well we said. Him. We stand yeah. a living legend. We I think, um, obviously, seek out some of the movies we talked about. Um, Impeccable Katie, just teeth. Tell us, His teeth are so great. Beautiful Sorry. teeth. Beautiful. The hairline. <laughs> as, a, as a man who's really proto-bald, <laughs> the hairline, I really, I'm enviable. I'm envious of, but admiring also. I, I admire He's of. still got gorgeous hair. Still. That's true. Still got That's it. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's another 62 year old who's also named Dan Mecca who does not have that hairline. <laughs> I'll say that. And he is my father. Anyway, Katie, um, yes. just remind, tell us where we can find all your amazing stuff as we wrap Oh, up. you're so sweet. Um, yeah. my, I am on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Katie Walsh STX. And I post all my reviews and uh, other unhinged musings on those. <laughs> platforms so follow me there yes and and as we said before miami nice of course you yes like listen Howard. to miami nice very, which Blake um, gave fun. me a very nice shout out on the ambulance episode so that was not that was nice to hear oh i forgot uh, yes yeah I, he we like, he like shouted yes. out my uh, my thoughts your on ambulance, ambulance review and, anyway um yeah and we're doing um tokyo vice right now that's right. Um, i think there's one episode up and we have some in the can that i am just waiting for blake to post oh that's fun. um but he will he will um but yeah so we're doing tokyo vice and i think we have some we have i know he's told me that we have a dossier of of intel that we have received so we oh. need to do an episode about the dossier okay um Ooh, the dossier <laughs> episode <laughs> <Interesting>. soon salacious <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to receive that and to do that episode. So listen, we'll have more episodes. I mean, it's sort of funny about Miami nice because it's sort of like we started in quarantine. We're like, yeah, let's do a podcast about Miami vice and it's still going. And I'm just like, we will do this podcast as long as people want to talk about Miami vice and nobody has stopped wanting to talk about Miami. Well, it's going to be, what was the dead eyes podcast? You're going to, what's going to happen is you're going to get Colin Farrell on an episode and then you're going to be like, well, yeah. I've already That's tried. I've Have already you? tried. Yes, because when he was doing press for after Yang, I was like reaching out to the oh publicist, being like, "Is Colin available 
Does he want yeah. to do our podcast? Does he want Colin, to talk kind about- of a similar, kind of a Kilmarie actor, Colin. Well, yes, but, he yeah. is. But he figured it out, though. Right. You know, he, yeah. Yeah. He figured it out. After but um, yeah, I shoot my shot anytime a uh, Miami yeah. Vice actor sort of like <laughs> has a project out. I'm like, does Eddie Marzen want yeah, to do our podcast? Yeah, I was going to say, you'll get Marzen <laughs> on there. We yeah. have asked Dominic Lombardozzi so many times. We <laughs> have DM'd him. He seems like someone you could get, right? Okay. Uh, he ignores us on our DMs, and he j- then went and started his own podcast. And I'm like, Dom, yo, Dom, come on. I, so this is a random story. Come on, Dom. You don't got like a book you need to. This is. I'm a, like, Dom, you on. have the mic. You can do this. Like, just come on our podcast. This, Dom, come this, on, Dom. No, I have a random story about him. I was in a bar in Astoria, and this this was like years ago, and I was talking to a friend of mine about the wire. And there was a woman at the bar who was standing next to us who like overheard us. And she was like, oh, I, I dated one of those dudes. And I'm like, who? <laughs> she's like the guy who plays Herc. And I'm like, what? And she's like, no, yeah, we're like still friends. And I, and I was like, no way. And then she shows me a picture of Dominic Lombardozzi like building Ikea furniture in her apartment. I mean, what this a story yeah. is perfect because it takes place in a bar in Queens. Right, right. And he dated a woman right. hanging out in a bar in Queens. Right. So, yes it everything lines up <laughs> i love it um so let me just say what do i say for me wrapping up dj mecca twitter uh you know i mean I you can say whatever for the you film want stage you, yeah. i can say whatever i want yeah. <laughs> at fathom stories we write little short twilight zone stories connor did a voice for the last one i wrote it um check that out if you listen to this you probably know that and then yeah connor Give us a little Kilmer love as we wrap it up. Yeah, over, no, over like, you like I said, this was this was lovely to do. Katie, thank you thank so you much. Thank you, Katie. Yes. Uh, oh, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. This was great. And uh, no, it was nice to revisit and like really kind of solidify the love I already had for this man, which was cool. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Look, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFSB Side. Uh, I also write for the film stage occasionally. I did just, as of this recording, I did just review Top Gun Maverick. I am one of the many people who gave it a glowing review. Um, And uh, yeah, so check that out uh, because it'll be out now. Go see it again if you've already seen it. and other than that, uh, we what do we have coming up? We are approaching our hundredth episode, uh, yeah, so yep, we'll yep, have yep. something cool for that. Um, we'll have, uh, you know, we'll be taking a little bit of a hiatus relatively soon before that drops. So we'll likely be doing another round of audience choice polls on Twitter to determine the next few episodes as we hit one hundred. So. Those will be coming soon uh, as you are listening. And uh, yeah, other than that, Katie, again, this has been wonderful. And Dan, all I got to say to you is you, you are still dangerous, but you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs>